Live from the Hot Stove Lounge, the Flames Talk post-game show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Your final score from the Scotiabank Saddledome, the Flames fall 3-1 to the New York Rangers to kick off a quick two-game homestand as we welcome you to our Flames Talk post-game show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you, and let's head to the Flames locker room right now and check in with Flames forward Dryden Hunt for some immediate post-game reaction. Dryden, appreciate the time. What uh, what did you see out there tonight as uh, your group wasn't able to come away with the right result? Yeah, obviously not the game I don't think we wanted. Uh, I think the first 15 minutes that... First period were pretty solid. It's kind of how we wanted to play. Uh, just couldn't maintain. It didn't generate enough, not enough shots. Uh, Shesterkin's gets too good of a goalie to, uh, you know, you know, we didn't really test him. So, uh, tough, tough night after the first period, I guess. How, uh, how do you turn some of those shots into more dangerous shots for your group? I don't know. I think it's just believing in each and the, uh, each one of us skill. Uh, you know, challenging guys, getting to the middle of the ice. Uh, there's a lot of good players in this team, so. Um, you know, just having confidence in, in your play, getting to the middle of the ice and uh, trying to create those high-danger chances, I guess. Uh, how did you feel in your first game of the season, Dryden? Yeah, I felt good. Obviously, it's tough, you know, watching, you know, the last five or six games. But uh, I just wanted to keep it simple and just try and try and build as, as the game went on. Um, you know, uh, there were a few good shifts, a few shifts I'd, I'd like back. But um, overall, for the first game, you know, uh, it was decent, yeah. What's a uh, final question for you? Just what's important to make sure that uh, you are prepared when your name is called and, and to, to make the most of an opportunity like you did tonight? Yeah, I think it's just, uh, you know, watching, you know, staying in it. Uh, you know, those skates after more are, after morning skate are tough, but uh, they're there to prepare you for, for when you get your chance. So just about having a good mindset. Guys are great here. Coaches are great. And, you know, keeping you in it and, and making you feel a part of the team. So uh, it wasn't too tough of a transition, I guess. Dryden, appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. Good luck on Thursday. Thanks, guys. That is a Dryden Hunt post game following a 3-1 loss to the New York Rangers here at the Scotiabank Saddledome as our Flames Talk post game show is underway. My name is Pat Steinberg. Megan Mickelson is here with us uh, and Derek Wilson will join us as well. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast, that's how you can get a hold of us here on Flames Talk. Uh, we'll get to your phone calls, and that's how you can uh, reach us, rather. That's how you can download us. Uh, 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Text line 960-960 is your text line. Uh, let's bring in uh, Mick and Derek as well on our Flames Talk post game. Mark Savard will join us uh, very shortly as well. Mick, uh, a tough one. Once again, Just uh, you heard Dryden say it. Uh, they thought that they were too perimeter in this game and weren't able to, when they had their key opportunities, weren't able to beat one of the NHL's very best goaltenders. Well, I guess Dryden Hunt agrees with me. That's what I said at the end <laughs> of the game, that you know their possession numbers looked good, but they were, yeah, just too perimeter. And that's been the narrative oftentimes this season is they can't find their way to the middle of the ice. And teams are getting a lot better at clogging up the middle and it's getting harder and harder to get there but I like their start it was obviously got off to a really good start which was important for this game coming off of Sunday in Detroit uh, and then their specialty teams just just weren't good enough um, there was very very noticeable shifts in momentum in terms of their power play not producing and then obviously their penalty kill not being successful we heard ryan huska talk about their penalty kill and that the numbers looked good but that they weren't particularly happy with the amount that they were giving up in the middle of the ice uh, and then the third i mean shesterkin made a couple 10 bellers and the flames just couldn't score when they did have the opportunities 
I liked the first 10 minutes. I liked the last 20 minutes. I didn't like the 30 minutes sandwiched in between. And the difference in this hockey game was the Rangers scored two power play goals and Flames didn't score any. Uh, they won the special teams battle by two. They won the game by two. And when the Rangers were the better of the two teams, they capitalized on more of their opportunities than when the Flames were the better of the two teams. And I hate to say it because I know we're trying to put last season behind us. I know that the team certainly is. But there were a lot of nights like this last season where the Flames were the better of the two possession teams, outshot their opponent, outchanced their opponent, but didn't outscore their opponent. Here's the bottom line for me, Pat and Megan and listeners. The Flames need a number of their top players to play better, period. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they just, uh, you know, I, I thought, I thought it was a night where, for instance, Nazem Kadri came out with uh, a real bee in his bonnet, and I thought that you're like, okay, there's another really good start for Kadri, and it looks like he's going to he's going to be an impact maker. Had two or three really quality opportunities in the first, and then he tailed off. Didn't see a lot from Huberdeau in this game. Didn't see a lot from Lindholm in this game. Uh, it just was was not a night where uh, the top players on this team, the the back the line, did what they needed to, yep. and and they looked just fine. I think you can always count on that line but you're right Derek like the 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 top players that need to um that need to lead this team are are not doing so right now I think in a perfect world Ryan Huska would like to leave Michael Backlund between Blake Coleman and Andrew Mangiapane for every shift of every game for the rest of the season the problem is this is my opinion he hasn't said this to us but this is just what I think I think he's broken those guys up at times because he's trying to use them to get other guys going. Other mm-hmm. guys need to get themselves going. I liked the lines as they started off in the first 10 minutes. I would agree with you 100%. But I I liked the lines as they started off, and that was more positive than like their chemistry and the way that they work together than what we've seen from the other line combinations. Mm-hmm. So to me, I what they started with, tonight I would leave that for now because now it's been two games in a row where you've thrown your lines in the blender and you've come up with a loss so now there there was some chemistry at the start like yeah. I don't know if that was just me seeing it no I agree but with I, you. Yeah. I definitely saw some early chemistry and at least that's something that you can build off of but I totally agree that like top players need to be better and they need to score they need they need guys to score at the end of the day. Well, and that's and you, a bad problem to have yeah, if you, you can't you, score. <laughs> you lose the game and you lose Adam Rzhitska. And the injuries are starting to pile up for this team now. Uh, we don't know what the injury is, but we both thought it looked like it could be shoulder. That's yeah. what it looked like just looked the like way shoulder. his yeah. arm was hanging. Yeah. And so you, you lost Kevin Rooney with a shoulder injury. You lost Jacob Peltier with a shoulder injury. You're without two of your top four or five defensemen, Erasmus Anderson and Oliver Shillington. And now maybe you're without a guy who's played up and down your lineup in Adam Rzhitska, who's off to a pretty good start this season. So uh, Flames are going to have to battle through this early season adversity, and it is still early. Yes. uh, But... There is some adversity to battle through. Yep, they uh, this this one was uh, a frustrating one, and um, Mick, uh, a night where you gotta you, 
they, they've been very good at winning that special teams battle in most of their games this year. Tonight, you allow two power play goals in a one nothing game, and all of a sudden, that allows the Rangers to take control and make it 2-1. Little squeaker gets by Markstrom to make it 3-1, but they don't score on their four power plays, and the one that was maybe most frustrating to me was the 96 seconds that they had to open the third period on the power play weren't able to get much going at anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm really interested to talk to, talk to Mark Savard Who when I believe he comes is on his here. way right now. Yeah, to talk to him about the power play because, and I mentioned to Wilsey upstairs, like their breakout and their entries are dialed in. They're excellent. They're executing it every single time. But then once they get into the offensive zone, it looks like they're just overthinking things a little bit too much. And that can happen when your power play is not finding success. You, you get frustrated and you start to overthink things a little bit. And that carries over to five on five. Yes. Because yeah. quite often your top players kind of build themselves up on the power play. And when that's not working, then that can carry over to even strength. At least that's what I've found over the years. Yeah. Final score is uh, 3-1. Rangers beat the Flames here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Our Flames Talk postgame shows underway. Pat, Derek, Megan along with you. Let's welcome in Flames assistant coach Mark Savard who joins us right now. Uh, Megan's going to ask you about the power play in just a second, but I just thought I'd start with just your overall thoughts on, on this one tonight. Well, you know, I think we came out hungry the first 10 minutes. We seemed to have a little bit more control of the game, and then we kind of laid off a little bit, and, and they took it to us a little bit at the end of the first. And and obviously, uh, you know, special teams tonight hurt us, obviously, and uh, we'll have to fix those areas, keep working on them. We haven't had a ton of practice time with that long trip. It's not an excuse, but we got to be better. And, um, you know, and, and we had some chances in that second period around the net, and if we can just get it up and bear down, you know, it's a different hockey game. But... It is what it is, and we just got to stay with it here and, and, and keep believing and, and get back to work. So you mentioned specialty teams. Just in terms of the power play, and I just mentioned it looks like the breakouts and the entries are just they're dialed right in. You guys are executing them perfectly. But once you get into the zone, I guess, what are you seeing there in terms of the ability to get pucks to the middle and generate quality scoring chances? Yeah, it's, it, you know we you know we draw it up every day and we find out we try and find out where the other team's weakness is and like you said you know it hasn't been the breakouts like you said and it, it, you know we haven't won a lot of faceoffs uh, in the zone too which hurts because then you're breaking out every time so you you lose 20 seconds but again it, we've had different guys in and out we're looking for something that works. But you're right, you know, we got to penetrate the middle more. We, you know, that was one of our game plans tonight, and we, we weren't successful at it. But uh, And traffic around the net, you know, I know it's an old old hat, but uh, we got to get more guys around the net and, and just, you know, get, get some screens and get pucks through when it's not working. And if you look at our three goals this year, they've all been, you know, we call them sifters from the point with some traffic, and then we bang it in. It's not pretty, but uh, right now that's, that's what we need to do. Some new line combinations again for this game. Uh, the one with Backlund, Mangiapane, and Coleman, which always seemed to work worked again and, and helped you score your only goal. Did you like any of the other three lines you saw this evening? Um, not 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 particularly, I guess, is the best way to answer it. Um, that line, like you said, the, the Maggiapani, Backlund, Coleman, they could have had a couple tonight. I thought Kadri worked really hard tonight. Uh, unfortunately, it's just not, not going in yet for him, but he's sticking with it. And, you know, we need some guys to elevate. Uh, you know, Lindy's playing hard. Uh, you know, we need some of our big boys to, to, to come to come to the party here, and uh, it's got to happen soon. So we got to continue to help them as much as we can and give them the best opportunity. But, again, they're going to have to get the job done at some point. Just as a follow-up to that, uh, Ryan Huska said yesterday and again today that he's trying new combinations, trying to find 
two players that work together or three players that work together. In your experience as a player and as a coach, do you find that it works better if you leave players, whether it be two guys or three guys together, or that you try different combinations trying to find ones that work? Well, I, and, you know, Husk has his method, and, and, and every coach does. I, I was a big believer of keeping two guys together most of the time. And then, you know, someone on – and it keeps the fourth guy line guys so-called hungry because then you move a guy up in a spot if, if he's going. You right. know, and, and you always keep those guys working. So, um, you know, like you said, we're trying all kinds of things right now. Uh, it's not going in. But I, I think we'll, the only thing we can do is keep trying and, and moving guys around. Obviously, we found a line with with Majapani, Coleman, and uh, Backlund. But uh, you know, we got to find some other guys to, to, to help out, and and it's a work in progress. But we got to you know, in our division right now, there's you know, obviously Vegas up here, and everybody's kind of spinning their tires. Mm-hmm. So if we can just grab hold of something here and get on a bit of a run, we'll be right back in it. Mark Savard's with us following this three-one setback to the Rangers. Just what uh, following up on on the line conversation. What makes those three, Backlund, Manjapani, Coleman, click so well? And, and even your short time here, I'm just curious as to what you've seen that allows them to always seem to click when they're together. Well, if you watch them, they're, they're always three around the puck, and, and that, that helps them out. It's something we work on, and, and they seem to do it well. So when one guy's there, the second quick is always there, and the third guy's hungry and waiting for it. So they're, they're around the puck, they're hungry, and, and they work. I mean, and they play the right way. That's, you know, those, it's simple, and we try and tell all our guys that, but they play the right way. They're, 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 they're there to help each other. They dig pucks out. They, they get to the net. They do the ugly things, and, and they get rewarded for it. So if we can get more guys to follow that, uh, that train, I guess, we'll, we'll get more success. Well, just thinking about moving forward, I guess, now it's three consecutive losses, I guess. What's the the messaging to the group to to try to, I guess, keep them engaged, motivated, and keep everyone on the same page moving forward? Well, I think a big thing, we had that long road trip. We came back. We, we had the guys come in because, we, I guess, from past, they haven't been successful taking a day off when they get back. So uh, I, I think the big thing will be, you know, Go home tonight. Enjoy your families. You know, re, re, re-energize here. We got a good stretch of hockey ahead of us here. We got St. Louis coming in. They just lost. We saw to Winnipeg, so they're going to be hungry. We got to be ready for that. And then we got the nice outdoor game. So let's just re- refresh ourselves. Get some rest here tomorrow. Let the guys get some rest. We'll, coaches will come and do some work, and and we'll we'll try and figure out a way to get out of this. Mark, this might be me searching too hard to find some sort of silver lining. But last season, the Flames got off to the fastest six-game start in franchise history, 5-1-0. and And then they lost seven in a row and ultimately missed the playoffs. This year, you're 2-4-1 through seven. Can some early season adversity, in a way, be good for a team, even though I know you'd rather be 7-0-0 at this point? No, that's a, that's a great point, you know, and that's something we'll have to talk about here. A little adversity, you know, only makes you stronger, and, and I think that's what we got to dig from here. So uh, it's going to be a great ta- challenge for our guys. we got a good veteran group right now, um, and we're going to have to come to work and, and really be ready here. And I, I believe in this group still. Uh, I've seen a lot of positive, even tonight, you know, in the third we were coming. You know, I wish we would have put more pucks at the net, but we had a lot of possession time. We, we, we kept hungry. We stayed with it till the end. But, again, it's, it's, it's going to be the guys in that room coming together and, and pushing forward here and trying to get that next win. Appreciate the time, Coach. Really do. Thank you so much for doing this, Mark. Thank you, guys. It's Mark Savard, Flames assistant coach here, post-game following a 3-1 setback to the New York Rangers. As we're underway on our Flames Talk post-game show, you can get us on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, live after every game right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, it's Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills. My name is Pat Steinberg. Phone line's open. Text line open. We'll get there in a few minutes. Uh, 
marquee matchup brought to you by Country Hills Toyota. Mick, not helping matters here is the fact that they're now playing without Rasmus Anderson for his full four-game suspension. I um, I don't think it's a coincidence that the power play's been a little more meh in the two games that he hasn't played. He's the power play quarterback back there. Um, there's uh, definitely, it's not an excuse. They, there's a lot of other top players, as Derek said, that need to p- play better, but you're also without one of your top players, which doesn't help matters anyway. Well, in his absence has definitely affected the back end it's just not as not as solid without him there I think his ability in the offensive zone especially on the power play to work the puck on the blue line and his patience and um, his poise and he's often able to he hangs on to the puck for an extra second or two longer and then that ends up opening up something else for his teammates uh, especially on the power play but also five on five so his absence is is being felt and as much as the defensemen say that you know we we can all step up this is an opportunity and all of those things those are some big shoes to fill so um yeah his absence is is definitely being felt call me crazy but I think Dennis Gilbert was as good as any Flames defenseman tonight. Osterley was outstanding as well. I was well. just going to bring him mm-hmm. up because mm-hmm. in a game where you're down a couple of goals and you need offense, yeah. he was jumping up and joining the rush. He finished with two shots and, and five attempts. I'm not saying that he's going to be super effective defensively in, in 82 games. But when you need some offense, he can help, right? Yes. Oh, for sure. But I was just thinking, though, what is a little bit disappointing is that it's Gilbert and Osterley that are really stepping their games up versus guys like Zadorov and Uyghur. Hannafin, I thought, was was good tonight. But uh, the other ones, I mean, those guys, those are ones that really, you know, they're kind of just under Rasmus Anderson in terms of mm-hmm. you look at your tiers and they should be the ones that are really elevating their games and. I don't think that they've done that. Yeah. Nikita Zadorov did try on a number of occasions tonight. He tried, I mean, yes. he's, he's a big guy, but he's a beautiful skater for a big guy. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, I was taking a look at the new NHL Edge that uh, just went live yesterday. He's had some of the fastest skating times by a defenseman in the NHL this season. Yeah. And we saw him rush the puck from end to end a couple of times. He was trying. And again, in a a game where you are tied or maybe you're trying to protect the lead. You don't necessarily want your, your defense going out of their way to try to create offense. But in a game like this where you're down a couple of goals in the second and third periods and, and you need to score, seeing guys like Osterley and, and Zadorov get involved in the rush and try to get involved offensively, it was it was good to see for me. Well, and, and I also, you know, I, I like that you saw some – real bite from Zadorov tonight mm-hmm. like he was smashing his stick on the bench and was chirping I at don't the, like that well the only thing that I was he was doing it when the uh when the Rangers were stalling for icing is when I when I saw him do it he was doing it to get the referee's attention like let's come on let's go and I, I just I like the fact that he was angry and chirping and because I don't know I uh I'm after little, what he said this morning, especially after what he said this morning, I don't know. I'm just a little, I'm a little worried about mm, the emotions and maybe it not being this, not being as urgent as maybe it needs to be. And mm-hmm. I, I, I worry a little bit about. 
that. So when I see a guy like Zadorov caring like that, I it, it jumps out to okay, me. Now I I'll need play, to know why you I'm don't gonna, like that. Well, yeah. I'm, well, I'm just going to play devil's advocate in terms of your body language and how that can impact your teammates. And so if it's – you just have to be careful. It's a really fine line in terms of banging your stick and, and getting angry in that it can be a bad thing too because then other guys see that. And if you're banging your stick and your body language isn't good, I saw some not-so-good body language from him too in terms of um, you know skating back to the bench after a turnover. So those things are flags to me in terms of being able to manage your emotions and not getting frustrated because then that affects your play in a negative way. So you just have to be careful with those things. Well, I, and, and, and I, then I, I guess what I would, I would ask you after that is what's important then, because I think you want to see the team upset that they are, they've now lost five of six And I think you want the team to be upset that a lot of the same things that plagued them last year are plaguing them here again. But you also don't want it to spiral or turn into a big downhill snowball. And you don't want frustration to get the better of you. So what's what's important as a player to kind of show the urgency you need but not let frustration get the better of you? Fix your play. (laughs) (laughs) It's not easy. Well, no, I mean – Frustration makes things harder, doesn't it? It does. Frustration, if you have to stay, regardless if it's in your control or if it's out of your control, you have to keep your emotions on an even keel. And seeing players angry or frustrated, it's okay to get like angry or frustrated, I guess, momentarily, but it can really affect your play. So I think what you need to see is you need to see players being committed to not just working hard every single shift, but just playing better. And that to me, that is something that is within your control. So it's a fine line though, isn't it? It is a fine line, but these guys care and that's why they're getting angry and frustrated. But Anger and frustration can lead to probably more bad things than good things, including a four-game suspension. Exactly. Right? So that's, there's a scenario where you let your emotions get the best of you mm-hmm. and your frustrations. And so, it, and I, I guess I look at why you're getting angry or why you're getting frustrated. If it's because you turned over a puck or if you, it's your own mistake, then – then you need to go look at yourself in the mirror and fix what you did wrong. If you're getting frustrated because Igor Shosturkin made a 10-bell save and uh, you can't put the puck in the back of the net, then, okay, I I understand your frustration because you're getting good looks, you're getting good chances, and that was just an unbelievable save. So those are, like, different scenarios and situations why you're getting frustrated. Um, But, yes, it is is a fine line. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess I just, I think that you also still want to see, like, you want to see a little emotion here because I'm a little, I'm a little worried about this thing getting off the rails early. We know how frustrating last year was. They made a, the, the general manager walked away and they made a coaching change. 
that's all great, but this is still the same core as last year inside that locker room. And as much as they don't want to talk about last year, I it, it just I worry about things the starting hangover. to well that and and just if it's happening again and you're now new in a season like don't let the season get away on you in the month of October and November so like you want to see urgency and you want to see emotion but you don't want to see the it get the better of them and so I'm just I, I, yeah. I, I'm there at a real critical point here and I think it's I would usually be kicking myself saying that seven games into a season but it this felt like a really big game coming into tonight and they lost a, what what felt like a really big game. And almost everybody, including people on the inside, talked about how important it was after everything this team went through last season and then during the offseason to get off to a good start. And they didn't play well, but they won their first game. And then they hit the road for five straight. And they play well in the first three games of that trip, even though they went 1-1-1. One, one, and one. They were trending in the right direction. Things took a turn in Columbus. They didn't play a horrible game, but they lost 3-1 to a Blue Jackets team that finished 31st overall last season. And then they play their worst game of the season by a country mile in Detroit and get blown out 6-2 by the Red Wings. They come home, and basically that's the response you want to see in the first 10 minutes. They were coming at the Rangers in waves and probably should have had a larger lead than 1-0, but they didn't. And then special teams gets the better of them in the second period both the power play and the penalty kill. You're down two after two. You play a good third period and can't score. And I think that's where the anger and frustration starts to creep back in again. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't necessarily help you moving forward. So I feel like this team's kind of back to where they were at times last season where when they do play well, they don't get rewarded for it. And again, I think that can lead to anger and frustration, which doesn't necessarily lead you to where you want to go after yep. things go sideways for you. So, Pat, to your point, you're right. This next game coming up against the, the Blues is going to be a big one because then on Saturday you're facing an Oilers team that has one win to this point in the season. They're 1-4-1. Mm-hmm. and one. They might have two by the time they, they might Sunday. But, they might, yeah. but, I mean, they're going to be desperate either way. They win one more game or don't win one more game between now and the Heritage Classic. Yep. You're going to have two desperate teams, and not going to be easy to win that one either. I think it just like it goes back to and I think it was the last game against Detroit where I talked about playing a consistent 60 minutes and that that goes back to every single player needing to go out and play every shift to the best of their ability consistently. And so, I, you know, as a player and I think of you put yourself in the shoes of the players and. To me, if I was a player in that locker room, you kind of you just have to go back to what you need to do to win a hockey game and not thinking, oh, we're seven games in, this is where we're at in the season, and this is what happened last year. It's, okay, here's, you know what? Like Mark said, you go home, you have a couple days, refresh, reset, come back. What do you have to do to win a hockey game? Well, every single player in that locker room needs to be better. Every single player. Yep. And so it comes down to accountability. You show up and you play the type of hockey game that you need to play to win. Plain and simple. Yeah. And, and you know what? Your <laughs> and best you can't players... think about all the other things because if you think about all the other things, then you get frustrated, then you get emotional. Yeah. And then you're thinking about things that are outside of your control. What you can control is how you show up and how you play. And their best players and their highest paid players need to lead the charge. Yeah.
Uh, let's select tonight's hardest working flame following a 3-1 loss to the New York Rangers here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Our Flames Talk postgame show well underway. Hardest working flame brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon is hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Mick on the case. Uh, one more thing to touch on with you before we wrap up with you two. I'm going to give it to uh, Blake Coleman. I thought that he had a solid game. He got his 200th point tonight. And I think that he's just, he's consistently just a a solid, reliable player. I know that he had a turnover or two that I didn't love and took a penalty. But I think that in terms of work ethic and bringing the type of game that he brings night in and night out. I'm going to give it to Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman, your hardest working flame. It's brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. So the Flames will not practice on Wednesday. They'll play Thursday against the St. Louis Blues. An opportunity to snap this skid at uh, three games. That's next up. Before we get to the phone lines, before we hear from head coach Ryan Huska, uh, and before we start to uh, interact with you let's get some uh, final thoughts from our broadcast crew starting with Megan Mickelson yeah I don't want to beat this one down <laughs> too much I think we've had a, a really good discussion about it but I think that you know every every player needs to go home take a good long look in the mirror and figure out how they can be better and how they can play better hockey my feeling is that the coaches are doing absolutely everything that they can and they're giving the players all of the tools that they possibly can to set them up for success. Now it's on the players to be accountable for playing their best hockey. Sounds a lot like what Nikita Zadorov said this morning. And I agree with you 100%. Uh, the players wanted a change behind the bench. They got it. And, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time for them to – to really be able to grasp the new system and style to a point where they can go out there and play it without having to think about it. And and the players have said that and the coaches have said that and we'll cut them a little bit of slack. But you know, ultimately it's it's tough to win games in this league when you score one goal. And the Flames scored one goal in two of their last three losses and did some good things in those games against the Blue Jackets and the Rangers. But ultimately, it's also tough to win in this league if your best players aren't your best players on a pretty consistent basis. And that has not been the case often enough in the first seven games of the season. Lots of games left, 75 of them. So it's still time to right the ship. But you got to stop the bleeding sometime soon here. Mm-hmm. You know, last year, getting off to a 5-1-0 start, Gave you a little bit of breathing room. And then you lost seven straight and ultimately never recovered from that. Yep. The Flames almost did, but more so because the Jets tried to, to hand that playoff spot to anybody who would take it down the stretch. So the Flames have to stop the bleeding here. You, you, you can't have prolonged losing streaks and expect to qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs. So find a way to stop the bleeding on Thursday night when the Blues come to town, and then we can just uh, turn our attention to the NHL Heritage Classic on Sunday. done the season is what they are, 7 of 82 games. So there's still uh, lots of – that's 91.5% of the season left. Look at you, math major. I don't don't know if that's correct, but it's uh, within a percentage. I was wondering what you were doing with your calculator there. I needed it because I can't do math like that without a calculator. Uh, Thanks, friends. See you on Thursday, Hank. Good night. Thanks, Pat. Uh, Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills signing off with us here on our Flames Talk postgame show following a – 
a 3-1 loss to the New York Rangers. Uh, phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line open, 969-60. We'll get to that very shortly, but right now, head coach Ryan Huska, his post-game thoughts following a 3-1 loss to New York. How would you describe where your, where your team's at right now? Well, trying to find its way, I guess, is the best way to put it. Tonight, you know, five on five, there was a stretch in the first period, last probably six minutes where we were on our heels a lot, but five on five, we were... Uh, a better team than we have been the past game for sure. Um, tonight, when you're playing against a team that doesn't give you much, oftentimes it comes to special teams, and they scored twice, and, and we didn't capitalize on our opportunities. What did they do so well that you didn't do so well in those special team battles in the second period? Well, the uh, you think of the first goal um, that they scored on the power play. We didn't get a shot block. To start with, that's something where when D-men are wristing pucks from the point, you have to trust your forwards to get into lanes. Uh, second one, I think we missed a clear to start with, uh, and then they made a good skilled play on that goal that um, Kreider's kind of known for. For us, it was, um, I don't think it's aggressive enough in regards to pass-pass shot, and a little bit of a, more of an attack mindset, I think. Um, we had the one power play where they moved it around really well, and it looked like things were going to start to come, but after that it was it was pretty quiet. Uh, any update on Adam Rzichka? No, I don't have anything yet. I guess obviously you started uh, the game with four new lines and seemed five on five. Aside from that six-minute stretch you mentioned, you sort of had things rolling along pretty well. Um, especially when you're using new combinations, how much can losing a guy disrupt what you're trying to do? Um, I don't know if it disrupts. What it does is you overplay certain guys like Elias um, you know we lean on him in all situations we know that but he, he played a lot tonight and, and too much um, that's that's really the the biggest thing I mean we have uh, Michael's line has a connection um, we're still working to find for other lines do you, do you feel like your team is fast enough does it have enough speed to compete with some of the upper teams in the yeah, that's in your head I mean you might not have the physical speed that some other teams have, but you can play the game faster in regards to how you always move your feet. So if you are always have your feet going and you're working to get in the right spots on the ice, you look faster and you can play the game faster. With, with, it's felt like there have been just sort of a number of games this season where you guys have probably been the better team for two periods, even more, but then there have been these sort of lulls. Where it's, I don't want to say spiraled, but it's come at you guys pretty quickly and the other team scored a few. What, what has to happen to sort of prevent that from happening? Well, momentum shifts happen all the time in games. Um, and I think you see when um, mature teams, when they get to that level, um, they know how to put a team away or, or when to capitalize. And uh, New York, again, on the power play tonight, they scored twice in, in on their opportunities. And um, we have to get to that point. So we want to do a better job of limiting scoring chances five on five. We were better at that tonight. Um, but we didn't win the special team game. So in all your years of coaching, you've had many years where it seems like they're all starting to conspire against you. Yeah. A lot of different things, injuries, suspensions, such yeah. losses mount. What's the key to turning that around? Oh, that's, you stay with it. Every day you wake up in the morning, you come to work with a great attitude and ready to go, and that's it at the end of the day. So um, we have a good group, um, and they'll, they'll continue to work right now, and it's, it's staying focused on task and making sure that they're committed to doing everything the right way all the time or getting better every day is really the biggest thing. Coleman sort of said he was, he was pissed off. He, yeah. he doesn't like losing. He's sick of losing. Yeah. Right. Is that the attitude you want from sure. these guys? Yeah, Blake was great tonight too. Like he's he, he's a guy that's won. Um, he understands situations and um, he, 
he's he's right about how he's feeling. You've had some good starts this year, Ryan. Have yeah. you used those starts well enough in the full sixty minutes, or is that still a work in progress? For good your question. Group? It's 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 not a full sixty minutes yet. The starts have been what we want for the most part. Um, it isn't sixty minutes yet. Like you can tell, like we've given up. In you look at the Pittsburgh game. There's an example for you. We played two good periods and. We didn't finish it off in the third, so it's it's a work in, in progress for sure. That's head coach Ryan Huska at the podium post game following tonight's three one loss to the New York Rangers. Uh, tonight's game has been brought to you by South Point Toyota, and you know it's it's one of those nights where this felt a little like the Columbus game, um, and it just it felt like a lot of games last year where the Flames spent way more time with the puck in this game than the Rangers did, especially as the game went along, but. Special teams didn't help them out. Rangers scored two on the power play. Flames could not score on any of their four power play opportunities. Uh, so they don't get the help from special teams. On top of that, they find themselves in a situation where they get the opportunities, but they can't end up converting on them. Uh, in this game, over uh, thanks to our friends at Natural Stat Trick, the Flames had a 13-4 to edge in slot opportunities or high-danger chances at 5-on-5 five five and 14-8 to overall. So that tells you a couple of things. First of all, they only generated one slot shot on four power play so the power play not good enough we already spoke to Mark Savard about what they could have done better in that regard but then also not opportunistic enough when you are able to take a 13 to 4 edge at 5 on 5 in high dangers and finish with a 50 to 26 edge in 5 on 5 shot attempts you should be able to score more than one goal but this group is having a heck of a time finishing and I know that that is worrisome to a lot of people I'm even seeing some of the texts right now I know that is worrisome I do think they're capable of scoring more than what we've seen the last little bit. They've scored four goals in their last three games, all losses. What I don't know is how much more they're able to score. And that's something the Flames are going to have to show us here as this season goes along. But right now, offense has been a real struggle, and it was a real struggle in this one. And when you're not scoring and when you're losing hockey games – Frustration becomes a real, real enemy. And uh, if you're the Flames, you got to do everything you can, I think, to push back on that frustration so this doesn't turn into a runaway train. It's Pat Steinberg along with you. Okay, call now, 403-240-4444. Text now, 960-960. Phone lines are jammed. Text line starting to fill up as well. We'll get to you around the corner as our Flames Talk postgame show is underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. 3 1 the final score. Flames fall to the New York Rangers. Phone calls, texts, and more next. This is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, the fan. The Flames Talk postgame show continues from the Tot Stove Lounge on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Your final score, 3-1. Flames fall to the New York Rangers. Uh, three consecutive losses now for the Flames, and uh, they've now dropped five of their last six after winning their home opener uh, to open up the season. And now two games below 500. We're seven games in. It's early. It's 2-4-1. and one. Absolutely. But I don't know. This one This one felt big after that road trip. And, you know, it's not like they played a horrible game, but these offensive woes continue to really really sting them and 
they need more from some of their top players. Nazem Kadri's got one point in seven games, and Jonathan Huberdo has not picked up a point in the last three games. And you know they 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 need more offensively, specifically from the guys who are getting paid to be the offensive leaders. I was very complimentary of the first four games of Jonathan Huberto. That's dropped off. And, you know, Nazem Kadri, you know, you heard Mark Savard say it. He, he worked. He, he played with emotion. Uh, he was, it was like he was shot out of a cannon in the first period kind of tailed off as the night went along and I don't know I it just it feels like they're starting to come towards a critical juncture here where yes it's early and yes it's only seven games into the season but frustration with the same group essentially that was so frustrated for last year from last year or throughout last year it just it feels like frustration is something that's going to be a much more difficult thing to fend off in the early stages than it would be in some other circumstances. So they got to start righting the ship. They got to start, as Derek said, stopping the bleeding here. I, I think they're kind of at a critical juncture early on in the season. Uh, phone lines open, 403-240-4444. They're jammed, but keep trying. Text line open, 960-960. They're shortly, but let's hear from the captain. Here's Michael Backlund post-game following tonight's 3-1 loss. Michael, how do you sort of categorize this latest loss here tonight? Just a... Uh... Tough second period. Um, you know, we came out pretty well in the first, uh, especially first half of the first, and then we let them come in. Uh, we let them, you know, come into the game, and they took over and they carried a little bit in the second. Um, five five, that were a better team most of the night. Um, the power play was better than ours, um, and uh, we pushed in the third. Um, you know, we can't fault the effort in the third. Uh, we, we were, you know, spending most of the third in their zone, um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a really tough loss. So we're past the it's early stage, but we're probably not in panic mode either. There's going to be ebbs and flows through a season. What's your level of concern right now with uh, it not going your right way? Uh, uh, I don't know if I'm concerned. I'm just upset. Um, I know we have a good hockey team in here. I believe in all the guys. I know, you know, we're gonna turn this around. and We're gonna win games again. Um, and uh, you know, um, we all know in here we can be better. Uh, and we're, you know, um, we're watching video. We're talking about it, but we gotta it's good show on the ice as well. Um, right. I thought tonight was a lot of good things, five and five. But in the end, we lost. Um, power play's got to get better. Um, you know, it's me and all the other nine guys who's out there. So our responsibility to be a lot better because that's the big uh, difference tonight. They scored two in the power play. Michael, in your experience, like that, that's three straight losses. You had another injury tonight. There's the suspension to Raz. When, when it feels like nothing's really going your way, how does a group change that? Oh, we got to stick together. Um, you know, we found out a lot, about, a lot about your group and things are tough and, um, you know, about individuals is too. Um, things aren't going your way. And, um, you know, we got to roll up our sleeves here and, um, you know, Next game is biggest game of the year. It's uh, we got to come out of this and start winning some games, and it starts with the next game. Is it is it unfair to say? I mean, there've been a lot of games where you've probably been the better team for forty or even fifty minutes, but then there are these little stretches that seem to kind of hurt you guys. And how do you just stop the bleeding when they make the push? Yeah, it's something we talked about. We gotta, like you said, after a goal or a stake, whatever it can be, your next shift is huge. We got to come out and change the 
direction of the game and momentum and uh, it definitely has, has hurt us and power play again is a big key uh, it hasn't been good enough uh, we gotta score goals uh, you know that brings you know, um, momentum and energy to the team so um, that's a big factor I think. Do you, sorry, one more. Nikita had some comments about the team needing to be less individual and more collective, buying into everything together as opposed to being individual motivated. Do you feel that as well? Or no, I think we have a great team in here. Um, everyone's, you know, trying the best. We want all want the same. We want to win games. So we're uh, we're, you know, we're a really good team. I believe in the guys, and I love all the guys off the ice. So we're a great group here. There you go. That is Captain Michael Backlund postgame following a 3-1 loss to the New York Rangers here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Pat Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk postgame show. It's time for tonight's Save of the Game brought to you by Shane Holmes. Jacob Markstrom back in net tonight and Jacob's Save of the Game comes in period at number one. Here's a pass advantage and walks in, shoots and misses Markstrom's net. Best chance the Rangers have had tonight, and Mika Zibanejad misfires. Here's Kreider in front now, Kreider to Zibanejad, robbed by Markstrom, a brilliant blocker save. That ends up being one of the 17 saves made by Jacob Markstrom tonight, and that is his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit shaneholmes.com, the better way to build. Uh, that third goal that was uh, eventually put in by Eric Gustafson, I thought was honestly, in my opinion, the first true bad goal that we've seen Jacob Markstrom allow this year. Some of the other squeakers have been screened and through defenseman and and can be more difficult for a goaltender to stop at this level especially with NHL shooters but that one just beat him clean right through it squeaked through him when it shouldn't have and Gustafson was there to um, beat Huberdeau to the loose puck and make it 3-1 so yes that is true but also the Flames only scored one and honestly through seven games, their number one goaltender is the least of their issues right now. They've got injuries, they've got top players not performing the way they need to perform, and they've got a real issue scoring goals right now. Those those are the issues that, and I know there will probably be a few people who are not so big on Markstrom's game, but I, I will push back and say, did I like that 3-1 goal? No, but things were already unraveling, and the two redirect goals were perfectly executed by Lafreniere and Kreider. Uh, it just is the the third one. Yeah, you didn't like that goal, but I I will be uh, I would be very very adamant in saying that as we're sitting here seven games in, goaltending has not been especially from Jacob Markstrom has not been an area that has has let them down. They've got some other things they've got to work on before getting there. Let's get to the text line at nine sixty nine sixty for the first time. Lots of texts. We'll get to as many as we can. Uh, this reads. Pat, not really sure what to say about tonight's game. I really try to be glass half full, but this team seems so discombobulated, misplay after misplay. Every single pass seems to be like a half second off one way or the other. It rarely seems like a clean pass is being made. It's hard to explain, not to mention the fact that it seems like every single bounce seems to go against them recently. I wonder if there isn't some major confidence issues going on right now from seeds of doubt creeping in from last season. I really find it hard to believe that this team can't figure it out. But time will tell, I suppose. I do, I wonder about that too. I don't know who sent this. There's no name on it. But I, I really do wonder that same thing about confidence, frustration. And as much as they don't want to think about last year and they're very active. 
adamant in saying we don't want to talk about last year. They may be elite athletes. They're still humans, and it's tough to just completely forget what happened last season. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I think that that, and that is a big worry, is that if this doesn't start to rectify itself, how quickly the memories of how last year went can creep in and um yeah so i i I understand where that texture is coming from uh this from dylan in revelstoke i've tried to be positive i gassed up huberdeau and markstrom uh you tried to find positives in this mess it's early is no longer an excuse to only score one goal and have no chemistry i've never seen a flames team with more players i dislike watching manjapani kadri osterly hannafin zadorov huberdeau sharon govich this team is so incredibly hard to watch i love the flames always have always will i'll never stop watching that's why it hurts so badly uh you're in for a rough season pat well i'm in for i'm here regardless so i'm not going anywhere but um yeah that was i i the 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 offensive woes can be really really difficult to watch sometimes uh this from dylan and deer run from Kadri's pregame press conference to him slamming bottles on the bench, it's just laughable at this point. Signing Lindholm and Hannafin will completely cement mediocrity for this franchise. I hope they turn things around, but it looks like the same team year in and year out. Guys don't really care about winning. You can clearly see this in their effort on the ice. Uh, this says, Pat, the Flames play well in the first 20 minutes. In the last 40 minutes, the wheels start to fall off. Either playing with the leader, fl- playing from behind is the same old story. It's a 60-minute game, not 20. I truly believe the Flames aren't playing with any chemistry or confidence when they're on the ice together. Big-name players are paid to, pay, to make big plays. I don't see that in this team. This team needs to find their identity and figure where they want to go from here because it's going to be a long winter. They seem lost, and they need to look in the mirror because this problem is a lot deeper than it seems. That comes from Miguel. Uh, This from Kurt. Markstrom looked good. Tough third goal. Still hopeful for a Huberto turnaround. I'm worried about Kadri having the ability to push through this tough start to the season. Pat, who are you most worried about at this point of the year? I, I would say Kadri just because he's got one point in seven games. Now, I will say that you are seeing him be a little bit more impactful offensively, so that is a positive. But, yeah, I would I, Kadri would be the guy that I am most concerned about. Um, he'll stay at minus eight, so no additions there. I mean, in this game, he had eight shot attempts, and he is, I think, looking better as the year goes along. But how much longer um, does it take for some of the offense to follow? So I would say Kadri is the guy I'm most worried about just because we know he's an emotional guy. Um, we know he's an old, one of the older guys on this team. I just And I'm a big fan. I was such a huge fan of this signing a little more than a year ago. And, and I still think that there's a lot there to go from Kadri and, and that he can still help this team in, in big, big ways. But, you know, with the frustration angle... And we know that he got frustrated last year as the year went along. I guess I would say he'd be the guy I'm most worried about. But 
also still think that there's time for it to turn around. Uh, this from John. The Flames look lost. They're a team full of good players but an awful team. It's time to seriously consider who works together and move on from those who don't. The last two years have been embarrassing, and it's time to take action. Uh, this from Claude. Pat, on paper, I like the Rangers more than the Flames, so not a surprising result. Huberto was invisible, and he and his contract are a concern. It feels like a bad night when shots go through Markstrom. Uh, they need to stem this three-game pointless streak. Um, this says, from Jeff and Lethbridge, the Flames are trying to find their groove. I like the effort better than the last two. Kadri looked much better. Huberdo was okay. Shesterkin probably had his best game of the year, but this team's shooting percentage is brutal way too often. This is short and sweet. It says it's not easy in this league with no snipers or stud D in your lineup. And, you know, this is not a team that is stocked full of snipers. And their stud D was out of the lineup for a second straight game because Rasmus Anderson is serving a four-game suspension. Uh, this from Ash. Three thoughts from me. One, Shesterkin finally plays well against the Flames, who he struggled mightily against in his career. Two, once again, Uyghur was awful. It's a shame he hasn't stepped up in Anderson's absence. Three, I like the kadri dewar combination. They had chemistry and limited action last year. I'd keep them together. Thoughts. I didn't mind the line combinations actually in this game. Um, I'd probably keep those going into the St. Louis game if I were if I were of any decision-making capability. That's probably off the top of my head. I'd probably stick with them, maybe bring Greer back in. Um, but otherwise, I'd probably keep the top nine the same. I, I don't know. I uh, even yeah, I, I, that's something that I would think about. Maybe if you could find a way to um, get Coronado and Dubé some power play time to get their minutes in a little bit more. But that's probably what I would do, Ash. Um, this from Chris. Big Z said it all this morning, in my opinion. Excuses are for losers, and I'm sick and tired of hearing the same mundane, cliche excuses. The narrative remains the same despite rolling through coaches um, like they do. So those just a few of the texts at 960-960. Lots more to get to, and we will get to them as our Flames Talk postgame show continues, but let's get to the phone lines for the first time tonight. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Uh, get a hold of us if you want to chat following a 3-1 loss to the New York Rangers. My name is Pat Steinberg. Flames Talk postgame on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And Chris is kicking us off on the phone lines tonight. What's up, Chris? Hey, Pat. How are you? I'm doing okay, man. How are you? Yeah. Yeah, doing uh, well. Not as great watching the Flames tonight, uh, play the Rangers tonight. Uh, yeah, but I, w- I want to say thanks for all your work today, and I uh, hope you're staying warm in this uh, Calgary early winter, I guess. I'm doing my best. <laughs> All right, so I guess the first thing I wanted to talk about is the. I've seen like so much issues with the flame, so much issues for, with the flames, and the t- discussions about how, pre, how past last season's problems are popping up early in this prob in this season, right? Mm-hmm. I was just wondering, would, is that just like tough habits to break out of? Like, obviously, they don't have Sutter anymore, right? But yet they're still playing like they have those type of issues. So would you say that those habits are kind of just tough to get out of and just this early into the season? I think they could be. Um, I think that could very well be part of what we're seeing. I, I'm not saying all of it, but I think it, it could be, yeah. I also think this team is, is not – um, blessed with you know generational players on it, so it can be it can be difficult to turn a 
to turn the tide when you're not getting a lot of offense and you don't you're not blessed with a lot of offensive drivers or elite offensive players. So I think that can that can play into it as well. But yeah, I do think that there are some habits that are tough to break and especially, you know, I, I think when the team for instance, it's an observation I've had I think when the team gets a little frustrated with the way things are going offensively, you do sometimes see them revert back to just shooting from the parking lot and and not concentrating more on getting some of those shots from good areas. Now, that's not always a bad thing. I think shot volume and the way Daryl Sutter wanted this team to play, I think there's a lot of uh, wisdom in that. I think it's still a very modern way to play the game at this level, but when you're a team that is not, again, as I keep going back to, blessed with a ton of elite offensive talent, sometimes you, you need to work just that little extra bit more to get some of those shots from more dangerous areas. So I think sometimes you, you see those habits creep in, and those can be hard to break because they were so conditioned to play a certain way before. And there are there are still some things that they're working on, you know, away from the puck in their own zone, some of their, their breakouts and entries. Um, but we are starting to get to the point where, all right, You've got seven games under your belt now. You know, some of those things are, are going to need to start to be kicked. Some of those bad habits are going to need to start to be kicked here pretty soon, I think. Yeah, and like I guess like around about that discussion about perimeters, it's just like I see the Flames just continuously. They get a lot of offensive zone time. Like I remember seeing a statistics from uh, Jay Fresh on Twitter the other day that showed yeah. Calgary as one of the top teams with offensive zone times. Absolutely. I, the issue is just that, like, they don't have that finish. They just keep cycling the puck. I think they just make, like, one pass too many, or, like, they ultimately just can't find that shoot that right shooting lane and ultimately just shoot it right at the goalie, you know? And I, think, I guess that's really frustrating to see that they can't seem to find that finish there, huh? Yeah, and I think that that's been frustrating for the team uh, on the ice and I think frustrating for those watching the team and and seeing how difficult it can be like even it's it's I think they've actually done a decent enough job of of generating scoring chances but it's that that lack of finish right now that is is really hurting them yeah and I guess like moving on to like the discourse about like just like your conversations with uh, Derek and Megan about uh, emotions. And I agree that like frustrations at the wrong time can lead to just some bad things happening. Like look at Rasmus Anderson's in that four game suspension, which is just un- absolutely uncalled for from, from Anderson there. But at the same time, I would rather see frustrations or some emotions over apathy. Right. Yes. And, and I think that that is the fine line that, that Mick was talking about is that, yeah, absolutely. You want to be a team that, you know, you're, you're not, you, you want to be upset that things aren't going your way and you want to be upset that, um, that you're scuffling and that you're not scoring and the results aren't coming. You want that, but at the same time, you need to walk that fine line so that it doesn't turn into something detrimental. Yeah. So I guess the last thing I kind of want to talk about was just Calgary kind of just starting to fall off and Edmonton not really seeing, seeming like they could get get it started up now, especially without McDavid now. Is Saturday game going to be like one of two games like where either two desperate teams want to try to get out of this funk as soon as possible and they see 
the Heritage Classic as an uh, opportunity to try and get out of it? Or is, are we just going to see like just the same issues from the two past teams <laughs> on them? I have no idea what we're going to see. Uh, we could be talking about three combined wins going into, at most they'll have five combined wins. Um, it could be three going into Sunday's game. So I don't know what to expect, Chris. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like the other thing I kind of just want to say is that um, I remember hearing about how uh, an Edmonton fan kind of just wants to hopefully call into the league and say ask that they could uh, delay the uh, Heritage Classic until McDavid comes back, right? <laughs> well, that's not going to uh, Yeah, I was wondering if, uh, since I have a, a university midterm on the Wednesday after Heritage <laughs> Classic, do you think the uh, league will delay the uh, Heritage Classic until after my midterm? I'll see what I can do, Chris. Um, I'll All see right, if I awesome. Can. Uh, appreciate the call, man. Good stuff, hey? Yeah, you too. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, have a good night. Uh, Flames fall 3-1 to the New York Rangers. Third consecutive loss and rough start to the season after a win on opening night. Flames have now uh, lost five of their last six after tonight's game against the Rangers as we go to George on the phone lines. What's up, George? Not much, Patty. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. Well, I'm going to start off with this. Nikita Zadorov, bravo on his comments today. Bravo. It's about time somebody on the team publicly said what, like, many of this fame, fan base has been thinking for a while now. And honestly, as far as you're concerned, like, for me, that's my captain. That's the guy I would I, That's the guy I would be okay with Calgary re-signing. The guy's made it so clear he wants to stay here. He is passionate. I heard uh, your guys' um, conversation about emotion, and I do see both sides. But honestly, at the end of the day, you know, as long as it doesn't get out of hand like what Anderson did – like, I would take a guy with the emotion of Zadorov a thousand times over a player that, that doesn't have it. It's just those are the players that outwardly hate to lose, you know, you know, and love to win. And, and I have a ton of respect for that guy. That, I mean, I've always had respect for that guy, but he really, really gained more of my respect. For me, that's a true leader on this team, and I applaud him for what he says. I, I really do. All right. And then um, – I, I forgive me for um, I didn't hear any of the post game or the pregame show. I apologize today, but um, was there any particular reason why they scratched AJ Greer? They just wanted to get Hunt in. Um, I, they wanted to get Hunt in. Um, I think that they they felt and and I I um, also think it's it's fair to say that that line uh, with Sharon Govich, uh, Greer, and Dewar. I don't want to say it like fell off, but it maybe wasn't as effective the last couple of games as it was prior. Wanted to get Hunt in um, against his former team. I think there was a little bit of that going on. And and also it was just an overall line shakeup. So it, like everything was thrown into a blender. So they kind of uh, they played Hunt with Coronado and Dubé tonight. They played Dewar on a line with um, with Kadri and Rizicka, and then everything obviously got thrown into the blender when Rizicka left late in the first period. But I, I think that was kind of the main reason: get Hunt in and and just shake things up a little bit because obviously what happened in in Detroit was uh, did not go over very well. Yeah. And saying that the entire team was crashed that night. And True, but I think Detroit. I, I I think the the rationale was that okay, well that's the one you can make one forward change at this point because they only have the one extra forward. For sure, and look as much as I 
I like AJ Greer and I like what he's brought to the table so far. It's not like him being in instead of Hunt would have, you know, secured. Yeah, a win I don't for this think team. that was going to no. change the course of this game. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm no disrespect to either guy. Curious. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't. I'm not upset about. It. I was just curious because I didn't know if there was a uh, a specific reason behind it. That's why I ask. And like I said, I I have really liked AJ Greer for the most part. So. Uh, the final thing I'm going to say here, Patty, is, and I know it's not going to be a popular opinion, but it's going to be my opinion nonetheless. I'm absolutely actually, I'm stunned that Hannafin's going to get a contract extension here, like for a lot of reasons. Um, the fact that like he seemingly changed his mind, and I have my theory as to why he changed his mind. I'm not going to voice that right now. I'll bring that up maybe later on, but uh, you know, it is, as it is, it's going to be a significant raise at all, and I just, I really don't get it. And And for me, it's like, it's like Robert's been saying. Um, the, these stupid long-term contracts we're giving to like undeserving players, it's just more nails in the coffin to, to just set this team back for a decade. But again, there's a fan sitting back. There's not much you can do about it, but watch and kind of shake your head. And it's, I don't know, man, the way, the start's one thing, but the way that they're playing, and, and I, I'm so loathful to even bring this up, but it has to be brought up. The comparisons to last year, are there because that's exactly what they're what they're playing like and 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 what the results on the ice are and now it's like i said zadorov said it perfectly today there was so much blame put on daryl sutter and i'm not saying he was perfect last year by any stretch but I, i i will continue to hold the opinion that this last year was way more on the players than it was on that coach and they got him fired they got exactly what they wanted and through seven games, it's been the same BS. So it's like, like, like you got to turn the, the the fire on now. Like, like Huberto, you know, back up your words. This guy was on a radio station five hours after Sutter got fired, talking trash about him. How he was the reason he sucked, and he sucks right now. Cadre same BS. It's just like, you know, put up or shut up time. You know, I know it's early in the season, but. They're 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 making themselves look hypocritical right now. They really are, and, and and that the only positive to all this right now is if they keep playing like this and keep losing like this, they won't have a choice but to draft top five, even if they choose not to rebuild. So I don't know, Patty. I mean, it's it's frustrating, but it's not something I'm I'm surprised at either. But it's like I said at this point, when you're a fan who's in a position like mine, you just kind of watch and see, and and you do hope that it can be turned around. You do hope that these players step up, but right now they're not, they're not showing any signs of it. And that's the scary part. All right, Georgie. Good stuff, man. I appreciate the call. All right, man. Hey, you have a wonderful evening, pal. You too. We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Take care. Thanks, George. 403-240-4444 is your uh, phone number following a Flames 3-1 loss to the New York Rangers here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Our Flames Talk postgame show is underway as we say hello to Parsons. What's up, Pars? Hey, brother. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you? Ah, okay. That was a very, very frustrating game to watch. That was absolutely painful. I can imagine painful. it was. Yes, I can imagine <laughs> yeah. it was. I mean... Two, you know, we've won two games or yeah, two games and seven now. It's it's pretty bad. I mean, I thought we played really soft tonight. It's obvious that we're still searching for an identity. Um, I was I was kind of hoping physicality would be somewhat part of our identity, but maybe that's not our makeup this year. But 
Um, you know, the big boys, I, Huberto, I don't know. I, I thought I saw him, like, this guy's supposed to be one of the best passers in the NHL, and I thought he made some amazing passes tonight, but unfortunately it was just to the other team. Um, I don't. I don't understand where his passes are going half the time now. Um, I don't know if he's trying to be over-creative or what the deal is on that, but I wish he would just kind of dial it back and keep it simple, um, make simple, smart passes, not uh, east-west passes across the ice and or to the other guys. Like, he's coughing it up all the time. He's becoming a liability out there almost. And uh, as far as Kadri goes... You know, honestly, Pat, I, I'm really starting to, like, I love the signing, too. I'm with you, 100%. Um, I'm really starting to worry about this guy's attitude and how it's rubbing off on the rest of his teammates. Yeah, he came out, shot out of a cannon, but then then he just kind of does this thing where he just fades. It was the same as last year, how he just fades. Like, he gets frustrated, and it's almost like, well, it, it almost... <sighs> This might seem wrong, but it almost feels like he's too good for any one of his teammates out there. I, I don't know how to explain it exactly because he doesn't seem to be communicating to his guys out there. He just seems to be kind of keeping to himself. So I don't know if the Stanley Cup went to his head or what, but um, I don't know. Like It's obvious that, you know, like the stats obviously for high danger was good for us, as you were explaining earlier, but... I mean, we just don't have the finishers on this team. It was the same as last year, and the worst part is is we even lost our top goal getter from last year in Toffoli, which is going to make things worse, I think. Yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, as far as the door off goes today, yeah, I, I, I loved his comments. Um, you know, and, and that's exactly what I saw out there again tonight. You know, players trying to do too much individually, um, not working as a team. Um, you know, there was a lot of passengers tonight or guys trying to do it on their own and generate something. Um, and, uh, you know, I get it. We lost to special teams, but, you know, another important aspect of that is discipline too at crucial moments. And I think that's an important part of the game too, is not taking a silly penalty, you know, for momentum shift wise, but, I don't know, Pat. Like, I mean, I think Zadorov said something interesting today in his in his interview where he said, you know, he was, I don't want to say he was backing up Sutter, but you know, he was saying to the media, he's like, he basically guys- said, he basically said, excuses are gone. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, Daryl's yeah. gone. That that's no longer an excuse. Let's go and exactly. that, that's basically what he said. And I thought it was really important because as much as I fully believed that a coaching change had to be made, because whether whether you're of the opinion that um, Daryl got himself fired or the players revolted and got him fired, like however you look at the coaching change and whatever opinion you have of it, um, I still believe it needed to happen because y- y- you're going to go forward with your players. Those are the ones that get paid the, the millions upon millions of dollars, and you can make a coaching change. And if it's untenable, whether it's all on the coach or all on the players – uh, or or somewhere in between, if it's untenable, the coach is the one thing you can change. So they, I fully believe they needed to make a change. But what I think Zadorov said that was so important is that 
what happened last year wasn't just Daryl Sutter's fault and wasn't just on Daryl. The two-time Stanley Cup winning future Hall of Fame coach was not the only reason why this team had struggles last year. It was, I, I think, a part of it, and I think the internal dynamics were a part of it, but okay, now you've taken that excuse away and there's a new head coach and a new general manager, all that stuff, the, 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 that excuse is gone. And so now they have to go out there and prove that that was the right move. And if it was such a problem, well, you have to go out and play a whole lot better and, 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 and not have the things that plagued you under the last head coach still plague you now. So I thought it was really important for Zadorov to say that, that, yeah, yeah. excuses are gone in, in a lot of ways. And it, it's been sim- symptomatic of this team for quite a while. You know, it's like you said, you know, you guys don't like too hard of a coach. You don't like too soft of a coach. Like now it's on the players, right? So, I mean, Patty, I don't know. Maybe it's the chemistry of that room. Like maybe – even though they say otherwise, maybe a couple of the big contracts in there and their attitudes are rubbing off on the rest of the guys. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't, that's all, that's all spec that, and I can't speculation. It's all speculation. But the reason why I'm speculating is because even with new coaching and new GM and everything, it seems to be kind of rubbing off the same way. Like there seems to be some sort of a weird aura with this team and what goes on the ice. So, I mean, Sutter's not there, there this year, so no excuses. It just it, And it also makes me wonder why there's still some guys holding out signing, even though Sutter is still not there. Like, it just it makes me wonder why things are still continuing, even though Sutter is long gone. Um, you know, all I know, uh, I'll finish with this, man. All I know is the season goes quick. This is... You know, 10 games comes quick, and 10 yeah. out of 82 is a big chunk, right? We said this last year when we were talking about the 10-game mark. We're like, yeah, it's only 10 games, but you know what? Look how fast that flipped, right? So, Yeah, they're going to – and and knowing that it feels like frustration is pretty palpable right now, I, I do think they're at a pretty, cool, pretty critical juncture of their season, and I'm very – I'm usually very loath to say that, this early on, but it, it, it does feel like they've got to turn this around pretty qu- pretty quickly because it, it does feel pretty critical right now. I got a roll, but I appreciate the time as always, Parts. Good to hear from you, man. Thank you, sir. Talk soon. Let's uh, say hello to Kent on the Flames Talk phone lines following a 3-1 loss to the New York Rangers. Phone lines at 403-240-4444. What's up, Kent? Hey, Patty. How are you? I'm good, man. Good, good. Hey, we're going to get into it tonight, and just give me two minutes or two and a half minutes. I'm going to say my piece, let you comment when I get off, and I'll try to keep it together. I had a couple of root beers at the game, but I'll keep everything intact. No swearing, no bad language, and we good. Anyways, where I'm going to start here is with, I'm going to start with Wolfie. I, I kind of agree with you, like, Last year, when you didn't want to call him up, I don't want—I don't want him anywhere near this poisonous team. Can you please tell someone in Calgary to trade him to Toronto? Well, he won't go to Toronto, Buffalo or Detroit or some other team. He needs a fresh start, and he will get ate up and chewed up and spit out. And actually, that—I'd like to comment on that retro there, Repster on on uh, Backburner. He's he's got it nailed there. 
like I don't know. It's just it's it's too much to take here. I'm a lot like Robert. I'm passionate, but the team's going nowhere, and I just I don't know what's going to happen here. But you're in for a long year. I mean, if you're going to stand up for Markstrom and everyone, it's, I don't know, man. Like you're a very good hockey mind, but you're in for a long, long year. So maybe could be. Yeah, I think you are. Oh, just one thing before I leave here. That Darren guy, I think it was Darren from Cochrane. He he placed the Flames to finish last. I'm actually going to jump on board with him. I'll phone you midway through, but I think we're going to finish last. I still don't think they're nowhere. I don't think they're anywhere near as bad as San Jose or Anaheim, or I really, really don't. But hey, we can. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Okay. Well, I don't know Anaheim. I like Zegers and stuff there, but we'll. Uh, oh. And the Hannafin thing, we cannot, we can't sign that guy. Like, that's just ridiculous. Like, holy smokes, guys. Send that guy back, and he didn't want to play here. Now, all of a sudden, he wants to play here? Well, I can see it. Just like I said last year, it's your retirement home. Everyone's comfy in Calgary, and, yeah, give me the 8 by 8 and let's go and play. Well, holy, that's way too much for that guy. But anyways, I'm, I'm going to let you go here and have a good night, and thanks for entertaining me call good luck on the year thanks bye thanks ken i uh i was actually all geared up he said we're gonna get into it so i and then then it was only to a couple minutes so uh appreciate it kent i was just uh, you're like we're gonna get into it and um i i can definitely pick up on the frustration though there's uh zero doubt about that and and you're not the only one who uh is frustrated right now with the way things are going um 403-240-4444 is your phone number as the flames fall 3-1 to the new york rangers here at the scotia bank saddledome we've got some lines open if you want to chat on this tuesday night text line remains open at 960-960 as well let's say hello to mike what's going on mike patrick how you doing i'm doing all right how are you yeah you know i'm chilly right now i'm in my car trying to wait for it to heat up so i'm gonna be shivering all over your uh all over your uh, phone line here but uh no um you know i i think uh there's a bit more room for nuance than uh what some previous callers have uh put forward i mean i i i i'm as frustrated with the way that they're playing as i think anybody could and should be um and, you know i thought cadre had his best game of the year tonight uh although I mean, I, I, I would not be surprised if some things have been said behind closed doors. I mean, you heard what Zadorov said this morning, and then obviously he comes out playing like he's got a fire lit underneath him. And, um, and you know, it, it doesn't turn into anything. Igor Shosturkin was Igor Shosturkin. Um, and, you know, that's the thing, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're due to have nights like this, but the problem is that they've had, been having them uh, more often than perhaps they've been, you know, allotted. So it's 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 been a frustrating start i can understand that i think there is some concern about the way that things have stagnated with huberto uh with cadre obviously with lindholm um and and you know i i think the pragmatic thing to do is you know obviously you you have to wait a little bit but also i really don't think that they are in any business they have any business signing anybody to extensions until they see how this season shakes out a little bit further and obviously there's been all the smoke coming out about noah hannafin um, but I, I would be putting that on hold right now. And I, I don't think that Calgary's really in a position to be committing to this team, you know, doubling down until they get a little bit bigger sample. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I also don't think I'm ready to put the fork in the team. I just think that right now they're not really doing a whole lot to inspire a whole lot of confidence. 
Yep, I would agree with that. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, obviously Adam Rzichka being hurt, um, you know, I, I would like to see them call somebody up. I don't think they have the cast space unless they put uh, Kevin Rooney on long term, which uh, they may or may not do. Um, well, and I mean, if if Rizicka is is hurt and it's out for a, and he's out for a while, they might not have a choice because yeah. they would then be in a spot where they're only carrying twelve forwards. I think they'd like to have an extra, so I think that yeah. that's exactly what they do. And and maybe they don't go Rizicka on LTIR. Maybe they do go Rooney, and Rooney's not going to be back for a little while here. So there's no there's no real harm in putting him on LTIR. So uh, yeah, I, I think that there would be some. I think there would be a decent chance they'd go the recall route if Ruzicka is out for any period of time. It didn't look good, but again, I've learned my lesson trying to play yeah. doctor um, from 200 feet or whatever. Yeah, I was a little surprised they didn't do the LTI with Rudy as soon as Anderson got suspended, but I think now is an even better time. Other words, them not having, if, if Ruzicka is hurt, no extras on defense or up front. And obviously, I think Connor's area is has shown that he is off to a pretty good start this year uh, with eight eight points in four games. And I'm a big fan of big fan of him as a player, uh, versatile, um, not the best skater, but a really good playmaker when he uh, can change his speeds in the offensive zone. Uh, so that's somebody who I'd be very curious to see. But yeah, it's it's tough sledding, and y- you can feel it. I, I know there were I wasn't at the game tonight, but I know there were a lot of people who were saying. The atmosphere is just a little bit, you know, less than what it is. And obviously, the Saddleome's never been renowned for being the greatest, uh, most cacophonous building. But it was, uh, it was apparently especially noticeable tonight. And I think just the, the big thing that is seeping in is just that sort of inertia on the part of the fans. I mean, it's just it's hard to, it's hard to sort of root for a team where the players aren't really the guys who you have been following for years, and they show up and they're paid like they are supposed to be first-line players, and we really have yet to see the evidence. Uh, and, you know, I, I was a harsh critic of Daryl Sutter uh, last season and, and his, in his first season. Uh, but where I do think he had a little bit of uh, a little bit of the right idea was that this team, as it's constructed, is it, it just is it's going to have a hard time putting out a line that looks like a first line on most nights. So I, I, I think, Pat, you know, we've talked a lot about them having six UFAs. That's my main point, is that with Noah Hannafin, we've heard all that smoke. I don't think they're in any position to commit to him or Tanev or Lindholm until you know they start trending one direction or the other. And if it gets to the bad side, I think they really got to look at selling them and selling them for futures, not looking at lateral moves. they got to start getting in some assets here that are going to make this team more exciting to watch in the future. And when they have a new rink coming up, they're going to have a young team with a good young core that people are going to want to watch because if it's like this, it's going to be tough to get butts and seats. Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, an interesting situation they find themselves in, Mike. I mean, it, as as much as I have said that, and I do believe they're at a critical juncture. I really do believe that. I I I, yeah. I really think that. Right now, they're kind of, I don't know if they're teetering yet, but they're kind of teetering on teetering of like, this thing could get away on them real quick, and then what? Um, and and so because of that, uh, I don't mind your idea of waiting a little bit longer um, to maybe ink some of these contracts. It doesn't sound like there's anything imminent on the Hannafin front, um, but that could change at any point. Um and yeah, I mean, he's the one. Hannafin's the one that I, 
I actually can get behind them going down the road of signing um, most at this point, especially now how, uh, seeing how the season has gone. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I think there's some wisdom anyway to what you're saying about you know maybe maybe wait just a little bit, see how the rest of this thing goes because you know do you want to do you want to be regretting assigning 20 or 30 games from now if if all of a sudden things don't pick up dramatically? So I, I think there's some wisdom in what you're saying for sure. Yeah, my final point is that, you know, a top five pick, I will not object to it. And all I'm saying is if they end up picking top five or even top ten by accident, that's still better than not doing it at all. And I think they've entered this season, obviously, with the intention of contending. And we all heard about, you know, what you know the, the the folks in charge have said about you know guys like Markstrom and Huberto and Kadrin, but at the same time it's not the fans who have invested all that money into the uh, into those particular players. So I think when it comes down to it, um, for me personally, getting to watch a Flames team that has you know, and I, if there's anybody listening, if there is a top five pick in this lineup, I think that will make it a lot easier for me to purchase tickets to come to this team, come watch them. Uh, all right, pal. Uh, good to hear from you, Mike. Good stuff, man. You as well. At least they're not the Oilers. They've got more wins than the Oilers do. I'll say that much. Oh, Thanks, Mike. They got a lot more heart than they do. Yeah, see you, Pat. Bye, buddy. Uh, one more call before we go back inside the Flames locker room. Phone lines remain open, though, at 403-240-4444. Text line remains open at 969-60. And end is up next. What's up, buddy? Good evening, Patty. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, doing okay. Yeah, uh, hopefully uh, we could have played better tonight, but uh, definitely I would say uh, Coleman had one goal uh, and that was fantastic. Uh, but the rest of the game, like you've been saying, it's been May. Uh, maybe I'll ask you a couple of questions. Why do you think the Flames again uh, struggle within the second and third periods? Uh, the first period, they always uh, score and have the energy. Uh, it looked like in the first period, uh, they had uh, great teamwork, great communication, but it all collapsed in the second and third period. Well, honestly, tonight, I mean, what, what happened in the, they were fine in the third period, just couldn't find a way. To, I actually thought they played a solid third period. Um, but uh, what let them down in this game was special teams let them down in a big way uh, in the second period when they allowed two power play goals. First time this year they've allowed two power play goals in a game. That let them down. and Their power play let them down. They had an opportunity to even make the game a little more interesting uh, with 96 seconds of power play time to start the third period. Didn't generate much of anything on that power play and kind of stalled momentum a little bit. So I actually think on this night it was less about um, them collapsing or anything like that in the the second or third periods. I think that the power play let them down, the penalty kill let them down, and they could not convert on their opportunities. And they had some opportunities. And, yes, Igor Shesterkin's an elite goaltender, but they just – the fact that they same thing happened against Detroit, same thing happened against Columbus, and we all know how last year went. So I think that's that's how I would describe this one tonight. Gotcha. And maybe one other question. Uh, so now, if 
Adam Rusiska, hope uh, nothing too serious for him. Uh, do you maybe think you can point out one or two players who can be possibly recalled from the AHL team to come play with the Flames to replace Rusiska or the current injured Flames players we have? Uh, I think that the the one that comes to mind right away is the guy that Mike just brought up, and that's Connor Zeri. He's off to a great start with the Wranglers. He's got um, eight points in four games to start the year. So I think he'd be the, the one that comes to mind first, had himself a good camp. Um, I know the organization is, is liking the way his development is trending, so he'd be a name that I think would be interesting. Um, I, you know, they – if they're looking for a little size and a guy with a right shot, they could look to Klapka, who is off to a decent decent start to his year as well. So uh, those are two that come to mind right away when talking about names that they could recall. But I think the one that most obvious right now, and we'll see what happens with Ruzicka, but most obvious right now would be Zeri, I think. Okay, fair enough. And last point, maybe uh, I hope it's not too early yet to hit maybe like the panic button on what's happening. Maybe we can wait maybe like a couple more games before we creep into hitting the panic button, right? I think so. I mean, it is still only seven games in, um, so I don't know if it's full-blown panic time, but I... I do think that they're at a they're starting to get to a point where if they don't rectify this ship, things can get away on a team pretty quickly in this league with, you know, how how other teams are able to get on rolls. Now luckily, as they've gotten off to a slow start, same too as Edmonton and Seattle and Vancouver start has been kind of just okay. The only team in the division that is off to a really good start that we look at as as playoff contenders is Vegas, and I don't think that we yeah. ever really expected Vegas to be a team that was vulnerable to Calgary. So the good news is, is that the the division hasn't um hasn't started to become an uphill climb when it comes to playoff conversations. So um, I, don't, I don't think it's panic button time yet, but I also don't think it's um, – oh, no, nothing to see here. They'll be fine. I'm, I'm not there either. It sounds good, but thanks so much. Uh, stay safe and warm in the winter. I was stuck on the bus like one and a half hours uh, today. So hope you get home safe and take care and talk to you soon. Thanks, Anna. Good to hear from you, buddy. Uh, okay, phone line. Sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to cut them off, but uh, appreciate that, Anna. The phone lines are open, 403-240-4444. If you want to chat, if you're on hold, stay there. We'll definitely get to you. A uh, lot still to get to as we continue along on your Flames Talk postgame show. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room right now. Uh, we've heard from Michael Backlund. We've heard from Ryan Huska. We've heard live from Mark Savard and Dryden Hunt. And let's also hear right now from Blake Coleman postgame following a 3-1 loss to the Rangers. Like when you factor all of the factors like going to be it an injury, be it a suspension, things aren't going the group's way, what is your level of concern at this point? Uh, look, I don't think there's concern in the group that we have. I think there's concern in the results and I think there's concern in just, you know, it's just another game that we had a great start to, like get away. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's losing's got to keep you up at night. I know it's it's easy to say, but I, I'm sick of losing. I think I could speak for for the guys in our room that we're sick of losing. Um, but it it burns me up. You know, you got to be one of those guys that hates to lose more than win. And I think you know we're 
we're just as a group, we just got to be, we got to have way more fire. Um, too flat in the second period, let them let the game get out of hand, and um, you know, and it's just the same story so far. And we got to figure this out real quick. Where does that fire come from? Is that something you can manufacture? Is that something in systems? Is that something that has to occur in the room here? Uh, where, where do you think it comes from? Well, I can't speak for other guys. I can speak for myself. I'm going to go look in the mirror. Um, I can be better in a lot of ways for this team, and I'm going to find ways to be better. Um, you know, I had chances that I feel like I should have put away in this game, and and uh, had I finished those chances, we'd have been in a better spot as a team. So at the end of the day, you control what you can control, and, um, you know, I'd like to make some more plays, create some more offense, uh, block a few more shots, things like that that I feel like I can improve on, and, and I think if each guy takes on that onus, uh, we're going to be a better team, and we're going to dig ourselves right out of this. You mentioned the second period, and there have just been like so many games already this year where it felt like you guys have been better, the better team for long, long, long stretches of the game, but then there have been these little sort of 10-minute stretches where maybe the other team scores a few times, and it's come in bunches. Do you have any idea why that's happening and what you guys can kind of do to stop the bleeding before it, it escalates the way it does? No, I mean, yeah, but to your point, you're right. I think there's been these... 10-minute lapses in games, and they're they're costing us. And tonight it was uh, we lost the special teams battle. And you know you can dominate five on five all you want in this league, but um, you got to win special teams. And uh, you know we lost by two today, and uh, that was the difference in the game right there. So um, you know that's a a team that found a way to win on the road by winning a special teams battle, and and uh, we just can't let it happen. I think you know early in the year we. We were winning those battles in the last few games. Uh, just too many penalties, giving up too many goals, and uh, not scoring enough uh, on the other end. Blake, when you talk about hating to lose more than you love to win, like, are you seeing the right things in here? Are you hearing the right things from this group? I wouldn't say the right things. You know, I think guys are guys are frustrated, and quite honest, it's I don't want to use the word embarrassing, but. Uh, it's a home game. We needed to come out and win, and, and we didn't. And uh, I'm just pet, I'm pissed off. And I think I think a lot of guys are pissed off. And and I hope everybody handles it the right way and uses that as as motivation. Um, but like I said, I can only focus on myself. Uh, we got a lot of good players, a lot of good players in this room, and, and guys that um, when we come together, we can be a really dangerous team. But we need to do that. Look, Blake, I think you had some comments this morning that there maybe was a little bit of selfishness and maybe not fully. Guys buying it. Have you observed that as well, or? No, I disagree with that. Um, I I think what he's saying is is similar to what I'm saying. Guys need to take it on themselves, and um, you know whether his words got just misused or whatever it was. I think he's coming from a place of care. He wants to win just as bad as I do, as bad as, as we all do. And sometimes when you're frustrated, you say things that that can come out the wrong way. But um, you know, we believe in our group. We have a really close-knit group. We've got a lot of really good people in this organization. And um, at the end of the day, like I said, I think I think the guys are going to do it the right way. I think we're going to get better as we go here. And, uh, and one game at a time, and we're going to have a much better effort next game. That's Blake Coleman post-game. And, uh, I mean, look, I know he doesn't wear a letter, but that's a, that's a leader right there. There's there's no doubt about it. Even um, even what he said about, you know, some of the things Nikita said um, this morning, uh, that was really interesting to hear that from Blake Coleman. That's, uh, that's one of the leaders. There's no doubt about it. And that was some uh, leadership-level stuff from Blake Coleman. Um, 
And look, I, I, I know that there are plenty of people who will say, yeah, yeah, words, 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 go out and action. And look, Blake was one of the guys who was absolutely on it tonight. He was one of the best players uh, on either team tonight, uh, as was Michael Backlund. I thought Manchapani had a good game. A couple of others had solid nights. Um, but look, I, I thought, you know, I thought Coronado had himself a pretty decent night, all things considered, especially for the role he was playing in tonight. Um, but when, when you hear that stuff, it's like, okay, um, they're saying the right things. And as they get ready for the St. Louis Blues tomorrow, uh, Thursday rather, okay, they're saying the right things. Now you got to go and make sure that the you, you follow up on them. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go out and win against the Blues on Thursday night, but you got to go out and and look like what you just heard from Blake Coleman is what's happening behind the scenes and and is is the way this team is feeling that is what's going to be really important here for the flames is um they go into thursday's game against the st louis blues um steinberg along with you on your flames talk post game show we're available on apple spotify google amazon or wherever you get your podcasts um Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line is open at 960-960. Mick selected Blake Coleman as the hardest-working flame a little earlier. Uh, So it's time now to select tonight's player with heart, which is brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. Coleman would absolutely be in that conversation as well for player with heart. But you know what? Um, In this one tonight, I'm going to go with uh, Jordan Osterley, who I I thought played much better in this game than he had in the prior two games he'd gotten into. And I thought that he helped the team do some important things and and specifically helped the team uh, exit their zone and get some controlled ozone entries and and enter the offensive zone with possession. I thought he was helpful in that regard tonight. Um, He had five shot attempts, two scoring chances, and two high danger scoring chances on his stick. Had a couple of shots as well. Uh, I, I just thought it was a really strong game. Definitely the best game Osterley has played as a member of the Flames, and I, I thought that was worthy of some recognition. So Jordan Osterley is tonight's player with heart. Brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. For HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office, visit heartfit.ca as the final score ends up being 3-1. New York Rangers beat the Calgary Flames here at the Scotiabank Saddledome as we continue along on your Flames Talk postgame. Call now, text now. We're on podcast and, of course, live after every game right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan, tonight's game has been brought to you by South Point Toyota. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room for a final time. We've heard from uh, Blake Coleman. We've heard from Michael Backlund. We've heard from Ryan Huska. Uh, We also heard live from Mark Savard and, of course, Dryden Hunt as well. Final uh, look inside the Flames locker room with Mackenzie Wieger following tonight's 3-1 loss to the Rangers. How would you describe where this team's at right now? For lack of a better term, rut seems appropriate. How would you describe it? Yeah. um, You know, I didn't expect it to be this early. Um, you know, nobody did, but, you know, here we are. And the only guys that are going to get us out of this rut are, you know, the 20 guys are in, that are in this room. Um, you know, we got to work hard. Um, you know, I, I've said this all along. We, we got the compete. We got the effort in here. Um, you know, we got the guys. Um, you know, we're just in a bit of a slump, and uh, it came early. I believe that we can get out of it, um, but it's going to take hard work, and we got to put it into it, you know, with, ASAP. I mean, with all the factors that go into it, you know, you got the suspension, you've got the injury, 
you've got the power play that Michael said is going right now. What's your level of concern here at this point? Um, you know, I, it's tough to say I'm concerned right now. It's early. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, you've hear, heard Hus say it before, it's the next man up mentality. Um, you know, whether it's Ross going down or Rosie, you know, with the injury or whatever it is, you know, we got to, we got the guys that can step up in this room. And, um, you know, you can't look at the other guy and, you know, wait for the other guy to do it. You know, you got to look at yourself and be the guy to step up. Um, you know, I can take that personally and, um, you know, I can bear down on chances. I can create more energy. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm the energy guy and I feel like I haven't been uh, creating as much energy on the bench or on the ice. So, you know, it's, it's creating that buzz. It's getting guys going, and you know I think I can be better at that. It does seem like in, in a couple of the games this year, you guys have sort of been probably the better team for forty, even even more minutes. But then there are these little stretches that mm -hmm. kind of the other team makes their push and, and scores a, a few. I mean, what has to happen for that to stop? You know, I think that with you know those little, you know maybe it's mental, um, you know whatever it is, we got to bounce back quick. I think sometimes when they score a goal, we might get a little bit too deflated. Um, you know, we got to step up and, you know, get that positive attitude, you know, get, let's get, let's get it back here. Um, you know, let's set up, let, let's, you know, forget about it and let's just step, step back on the ice and, and get to work. And, um, you know, sometimes we can feel a little bit deflated and uh, we got to put a stop to that and, you know, just get over the boards and work hard and, and, and dig in and grind it out. Um, you know, when it's, when it's not coming easy, you got to get in there and work hard and get to the dirty areas, and, you know, make some energy and, um, you know, that's what we're going to have to do. How much different is the approach to getting out of a spell like this compared to what it was like last year where there was a lot of doom and gloom? You know, your preparation is the same, <clears throat> you know. My preparation, you know, won't change. I just, I think my main focus for me will, you know, you just, for me it's just going to be working hard, create energy. Um, when I get an opportunity, i got to bear down and bury it. Um, I think I can say that for a lot of guys in the room, you know. We can, we can bear down and create some more goals. Um, you know, Marky's kicking for us. He's making big saves at the right time. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of puck luck, whatever it may be, but... Um, you know, we got to bear down and, and get gritty and, and grind it out and, um, you know, show some character and get out of this. There's Mackenzie Weger post-game as well. Your final score, Flames fall 3-1 to the New York Rangers. Time to look ahead. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Uh, so the Flames uh, just finished up game one of a two-game homestand here at the Dome. They'll play game two Thursday against the St. Louis Blues. It's a 7 o'clock face-off. It'll be on Sportsnet West on television and, of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Flames have not had a ton of success against the Blues in recent years. Uh, they did win their their last head-to-head -head matchup, though, 4-1 uh, win back on January 12th of last season. But overall, Calgary won 3-1 in their last five games against St. Louis. So that's the next team up for the Flames. That's on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. And then Sunday is the Heritage Classic from Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. We'll see how many wins the Flames and Oilers have combined separately uh, when those two teams meet on Sunday. But next up, the Blues on Thursday before the Heritage Classic for 2023. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn about, uh, to learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Dot com. Okay, back to the text line we go at 960-960. Who, boy, do we have um, a uh, text line to dive into. I will not be able to get to everything. Um, some of these uh, some of these texts um, are... <laughs> 
uh, hard to read some of them because they're not coming in well. So anyway, um, doing a uh, d- doing doing our best to read as many texts as we can with a text line that feels like it's about to explode. Um, this says uh, from Cody, Pat, it's just that the Flames are e- – is it just that the Flames are easy to shut down? When they're allowed to cycle the puck, they look talented. But as soon as the opposing team figures out that system and gets in their passing lanes, they have no other system to try. The game against the Capitals, I think, was a great example of this. One shift, they'd be dominant. The next shift, they were completely shut down. All it takes is the opposing coach adjusting his team, and the Flames can't make a play anymore. I know it's easy to say that any team just needs to adjust to block their system. But is that not what's going on? Is it the player's effort or just that they can't switch it up? That comes from Cody. I, I don't know if it's necessarily just a tactical thing on the other side. I think one of the things that we're seeing right now is a team that is not blessed with a ton of high-end NHL finishers, and then you add in a healthy dose of frustration and stick gripping on top of it now, and they're having a really hard time <laughs> finishing opportunities, and scoring goals right now. And so is part of that tactical on the other side? Maybe, but I, I just think right now like that this is not a team that is going to be a super high-scoring team in my eyes to begin with, and now there's a little bit of frustration and lack of confidence that feels like it's starting to uh, enter into the conversation as well. Um this from Vince. Pat, how long will it take this team to get the structure the coach wants them to play with? It seems they're not getting it and too many turnovers right now. Where will the scoring from come from? It looks like doom and gloom. If this continues, do you see Conroy unloading Lindholm and going down the retool mode? I don't know if we're at the point yet where Conroy would make a shift in that regard, but I do think that we're early, that we're late enough into a into a season when you have training camp and um, preseason games under your belt where you should at least be seeing significant progression and improvement with some of the X and o, X's and O's that this coaching staff is looking for. Um, and as for some of the, I, I do think that they're at kind of a, a juncture where they've got to get out of this thing quickly or else it, it might be a situation where th- this snowballs on them to the point that remember last year, they got off to a five and one start, then lost seven in a row. And that kind of derailed them. Well, they don't even have a, even have a five and one start to fall back on right now. So yeah, they, they, much like the conversation's getting a little bit more and more heated in Edmonton, I think it's going to get a little more heated here as well when it comes to the – there's not – it's not like you can't turn a season around, and you can turn a season around 25 games in sometimes. But the urgency's got to be there, I think would be the main point that I would be bringing right now, is that, okay, it's seven games, there's still 75 to go, but urgency uh, is is going to be something that I think is important here um, over the next three, four, five games. This from Jared in Lethbridge. Uh, this team is a self-fulfilling prophecy that says all the same things and do all the opposites. If the Flames spent to the floor rather than the ceiling, I think you'd see more honest hockey and the owners could save themselves up to $80 million over the four-year build of the arena. Imagine how many light bulbs they could buy. Only problem with any rebuild is your long-term contracts like Huberdeau and Kadri are four years more removed from their prime. Good news is that thanks to the Wranglers, there's actually winning hockey in Calgary. Zary has eight assists. Poirier has eight points. Wolf is always. I hope this team figures it out. 
Uh, this says... I can't help but think um, it was more Kadri and Huberdo that were the problem in the room and not Daryl. Uh, I don't know. I, um, I, I, don't, I don't know if that is true. I think that there was definite headbutting going on with those two players and Daryl. And I think Daryl was a problem, and that was a problem that they could address. But again, to say that last year was just because Daryl Sutter wasn't the right coach, I don't think I never felt that was true as much as I felt the change needed to be made. But I think we're seeing right now that it clearly was more than just a head coaching situation last year. Uh, this says this team sucks to watch. It's clear this group doesn't work well together. You need to tear it down get rid of what they can. Uh, same thoughts I had at the end of last year. There's no point moving forward with this group. I don't want to watch this garbage, but I will. So I'm cursed, but gosh, darn it. Do they need a new direction? Uh, this from Joel and Cranston, Pat, a lot of players are overhandling the puck, allowing the opposition to get in lanes and goaltenders reset themselves. The result, no shot. On odd man rushes, the opposing forwards always catch up to Calgary's, which negates the rush. Uh, the rush, rather. Uh, this from Justin, Patty. I love Mark. I loved Mark Savard as a player growing up, but like uh, uh, we were talking before, this power play is atrocious. All passing and no shots or even attempts hardly these past few days. Was super excited when Coronado sniped his first home. Um, thought that the power that was the power play sniper they needed to replace to Foley, but now I don't know. Watching tonight, it just wasn't exciting. They need a Kachuk type player for some life again happy backs became captain but need him to start taking control of the game and this team that comes from justin alex says lifeless hockey no emotion no passion there's no heartbeat shade heartbeat rather shades of last year this team will go as far as its top players will take it it's early but they need to find a purpose otherwise this could go off the rails quickly this reads, we better not be re-signing UFAs this year. Their core, which they're building around, is no longer here. So what they're left with is a bunch of complimentary players, but no superstar game changers. Monaghan, Gaudreau, Kachuk, Fox are all playing elsewhere. It's time to rip the Band-Aid and realize what they have here, a bubble team with no cup in sight. It's time to rebuild. This says, uh, Patty, seems like it's going to be a long season. Apparently, people really had high expectations for some reason. Just changing the person behind the bench doesn't change the personnel on the ice. Big concerns right now. Hope it turns around. Uh, this says, honestly, I feel there's no chemistry except for the backland line. Start that line next game and make them first out on the power play. They need to send a message the players that are supposed to be the best players should be the best players. Uh, this says, I think it's really time to accept the hard fact that Lindholm will never be the same player we saw without Johnny and Kachuk. Since Huberto and Kadri are signed for eight years, they need to make some trades and find players that work with them and not keep trying to make Lindholm work. I'd trade Lindholm for someone else. Don't know if I am quite onto the hard shift to the trade Lindholm side of things, but... I do uh I do think it's going to be interesting to watch to see if some of their top forwards, Lindholm, Kadri, Huberdo are the three that come to mind, if there is some sort of chemistry that a pairing of two of those three guys, I don't think it's going to be Huberdo and Kadri. 
Will it be Huberdeau and Lindholm? Could it be uh, Lindholm and Kadri? Uh, probably not because they both are centers, but it will be interesting to see if a little bit more, especially five-on-five -five chemistry, can develop here as uh, this season goes along. Um, this says uh, from Stu on Vancouver Island, Patty, the core of this roster is the definition of dysfunctional. Even you guys have been saying it for almost 90 games now, and there's no way you could convince me that a team that's this bonkers internally would respond in any way but this to a brand new rookie coach with a kid gloves approach. This is on the shoulders of the higher-ups, with that being said, Brad Treliving has handcuffed this franchise for the next half decade, and he knew exactly what he was doing before jumping ship to Toronto. And hats off to him. He had uh, he had people all kinds of fooled. Wild times ahead. It's going to be a long season. That's from Stu on Van Isle. Uh, this from T-Bone. Good evening, Pat. My question is, is it even remotely possible there would be any chance there would be interested in, uh, in a Huberdo or Kadri trade partner? I feel like getting rid of one of those two would be like winning the lottery. I think it would be tough, especially the way things have started uh, right now. That, to me, feels almost impossible in season. Off season, maybe, maybe, but in season, feels very, very difficult to uh, see that being the case. Uh, this from Dustin and Red Deer. This team is just brutal to cheer for. I'm so tired of this team letting me down again and again. Why didn't they get anything of value for Kachuk or Gaudreau? Not even 10 games into the season, and I'm giving up. Brutal. Uh, this from Sam. Pat, well, another disappointing result tonight. This team needs to address its scoring depth ASAP. You can't win games scoring one goal, period. Kadri showed a bit of emotion in the first period for sure, but again, not on the score sheet. They lose Rizicka. Markey lets in a stinker. Power play can't score. Lots of negatives. My only two wins for tonight, Big Z's truth bomb pregame and the neighbors up north getting another L. Here's one from Stafford. Pat, it's not by accident they won the division with both Anderson and Shillington driving the offense from the back two years ago. The pressure those two provide when in the lineup gave the club some of their best offensive numbers in years. Neither was in the lineup tonight, and the offensive numbers reflect that. I do think they, obviously they miss Anderson, but I do think that they miss Shillington too and have missed Shillington immensely the last couple seasons, this year and last. Absolutely. Um, this reads, glad to see Coleman and Zadorov showing they care about this team. They'd stay silent if they didn't care. I miss seeing pictures of the players and their significant others hanging out outside of work. This team doesn't feel like a tight team right now. It's a group of guys that play hockey together. Uh, this says, Pat, apparently it was all Daryl's fault, yet here we are, the same underachieving team, full of excuses and a bit delusional. Flames get whatever you can for Jonathan. Take the hit and move on and stop trying to lock up a core that's showing just what they are mid at best and start planning for a different future. A few more texts before we hit the phone lines and get back there for a, a few more phone calls. Uh, the phone lines remain open. Uh, this says, Pat, again, Markstrom stole the game in the first, then the wheels fell off, tried to come back, and gave it a good old hockey try, but came up short. They seem to be off-key most of the time. They're consistent, but in the wrong trend. These guys need to want it more, and when they realize that, maybe those misses will start going in. Most importantly, um, got to gotta hit the net a whole lot better. Uh, still love you, but you got to play as a unit. Uh, this from Gord, you can come.
systems, you can motivate, you can you can't coach hands, you can't coach finish. Basically same group as last year, 75 points will be a stretch. Um this from Jamie, they need a few natural goal-scoring snipers, which they clearly don't have. Flames have been guilty for all my time in Calgary of acquiring second-line players and expecting first-line production. Kadri has averaged 52 points per season over 10 years prior to his cup season in Colorado. He comes to Calgary, gives him 56 points, and everyone's talking like he's a failure. That's deflating for a guy. He knows he belongs on the second, third line, yet fans and media want first-line quality production, which is unfair. The only true first-line guys they really have our Huberto and Lindholm, and they're basically the same player, and unfortunately, they cannot seem to build chemistry. There's lots of work to do here. And finally, Seb from South Calgary says, another tough loss. Love the opening 10, but it's infuriating that the, infuriating that the only thing that spurs this team is being down a few goals with only minutes remaining. Still waiting for this team's identity to emerge. Great stuff on the text line at 960-960. Uh, text line is just slammed got to as many as i could there uh but great stuff on the text line let's head back to the phone lines at 403-240-4444 still have some time if you want to chat some flames hockey on the phone lines tonight here on your flames talk post game show eugenio is up next what's up baby how we doing hey pat how's it going it's going all right uh i didn't think i was going to call in this early but thought i'd uh spew a couple points here tonight Sure. Um, first, I just want to start. Flames fans are just always, you know, jumping the gun. Seven games in, hasn't looked good, but yeah, we all need to chill out. But I agree, it doesn't look good, but we're seven games in. I was actually going to message you when this happened, and then I never did. Um, the number one reason for where we are as an organization and franchise is from one person and that's Brad Trelevin. And I was going to message you when he got that job in Toronto, because I was completely shocked that Toronto gave him the GM job. Um, I don't find him to be, and we've already discussed this plenty of times. I don't find him to be a very good GM. He's put us in this hole that we are in right now which I don't think is as bad as a lot of Flames fans portray it to be, but it doesn't look good. Now he finds himself in Toronto with four superstars in Tavares, Marner, Matthews, and Nylander. And if Toronto does win this year, he looks like a genius, even though he doesn't have to do much. He dished out a couple deals to Bertuzzi and Domi. Anyways, regardless. So this whole franchise changed when we lost Johnny and Chucky. Now, the Johnny deal, supposedly, I don't know why he left. I don't know if he wanted to stay the year before, and they they lowballed him, and then who knows what happened. Regardless, the franchise changed when those two players left this team. We signed Huberto, we signed Caudry. Huberto, I was very excited. The guy had a 115-point season, but I'm not going to sit here and say I watched every Florida game. But when you get the guy who finished second in the league in scoring that year, tied with Johnny... You're excited. You're like, okay, well, we got a superstar here. He, I, I, To tell you the truth, I have no idea how he scored 115 points because this guy looks like he's going to have another 50-point season. And if not, it's not he, he might even look worse this year than he did last year. He's struggling out there. Um, yeah, it's tough to watch. I was at tonight's game, and a caller did make a good point before. 
he made a couple of really nice passes to the opposition today. Those were his two best passes. And it's really frightening to see because this is now the first year of his eight-year deal. And we're never moving that guy. There's no hope. There's in-season, off-season. There's no way that any team is taking a $10.7 million hit unless you're offering four or five first-round picks and you're eating up 75% of the contract. And we're not doing that. So we're stuck with him. And it's frightening to see because he just does not look like he, – he honestly looks like a third-line player that has a little bit of skill that will chip in 40, 50 points. Then we have Kadri, who I thought had a, his best period of the season in the first period this, uh, this year. And I'm like, okay, well, let's see what happens. And then he completely disappears the final two periods. And these are two contracts, which, again, I was excited when they happened. I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite. I was excited, but I'm not the GM of the team. Brad Trelevin was. And he throws these contracts to these two players – completely overpays Huberto. Huberto's making more money than, what does he mean? He's got to be like the third, or, what is it, top five paid forward in the NHL? He's got to be up there. Uh, he'd, be, he'd definitely be in the top 10 or 15 for sure. Yeah, and we've got him for eight years, and he's north of 30 years old. So it's frightening to see. Um, I don't, the, the problem is we're only seven games in, and I'm still going to give this team like we could turn this around. We could beat the blues and the Oilers and be 500 by Sunday. So everyone needs to chill out. Flames fans need to chill out. I heard a lot of Flames fans at the game today. We got to chill out. We're seven games in. I'm with you guys. It doesn't look good. Tonight's performance was really bleak, but let's give these guys a chance. But I agree with you on one thing, Pat, we should re-sign Noah Hannafin. And I'll tell you why there is nobody better to replace him. We have Hannafin, Tanev, and Zordorov as free agents after this year. If, say, all three go, who is going to replace these three defensemen next year? Who's going to replace a guy who's 26 years old, who has the experience of Hannafin, and who's actually been pretty good for us? He has his odd mistakes. He has his odd bad games. But who doesn't? I would re-sign Hannafin. And I don't know how you feel about this, but I would also re-sign Lindholm. And the reason why I would re-sign Lindholm He's 28 years old. Shifley's off the market. If we don't resign Lindholm, who are you going to replace him with? Is Nazim Kadri going to be your number one center for the next five, six years? We're not going into a rebuild. So you have to sign these guys. As much as I don't want to overpay Lindholm, there's nobody better. There's no one better. So unless, to- unless they are going to rebuild, which we don't think that they would be interested in doing. So, but how do you, but, but how do you rebuild when you have these contracts tied to Kadri and Huberto? If you didn't have these contracts tied to those two, then I'd be fine with a rebuild. I think it would be perfect for a rebuild. But the problem is we have seventeen million plus tied to two guys that we're never they moving do. out. It makes it. It definitely makes it difficult. There's no doubt about it. Um, and and those are hampers to doing it. But they wouldn't be the first. And I'm not suggesting that they're at that point at this point right now where they have to completely change direction. All I'm saying is that you know other teams have done it with with big boat anchor contracts. San Jose's been able to get out from a few of them. Um, and and they're clearly rebuilding. Um, and I'm not suggesting that the Flames would be thinking about doing this or that seven games in, they need to completely alter course here. But I just, that that would be the way that you don't, that that would uh, be devil's advocate to what you're saying. On the Hannafin front, 
I do think there's still something to be said about I don't know how long the contract's going to be or what it's going to look like, but I do think there's something to be said about keeping a player who's 26 years old and still has plenty of good hockey left, is one of the most durable defensemen in the NHL um, and and plays a ton when he's out there. I, I think there's definitely wisdom in doing so, and I've been a big advocate for re-signing Lindholm here, but I thought that Mike made a good point earlier. Maybe you just don't do it right now. Maybe you wait to see how the some get a little bit of a larger grasp on what this team's going to be this season before hitting it, especially with Lindholm. Hannafin's a little different because of the age, but yeah, there's a really interesting spot they're in here. The next next week or two going to be really interesting to see how the Flames. Um, if they're able to pull themselves out of this thing or or if this uh, starts to go more and more in the wrong direction. I got to roll, Eugenio, but it's uh, yeah, no good way. to hear from you, buddy. Yeah, talk to you soon. We'll talk soon, buddy. Be well, hey? Yeah, you too. Last call, I believe. Uh, am I saying this right? Is it uh, Kalor? Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Thanks. How are how we doing, Kalor? Appreciate the call. Doing real good, man. Yeah, I just want to say I'm, I see the, the glass half uh, full rather than half empty, and I, I think the Flames are trending in the right direction. And the main reason I say that is because uh, of Conroy and Brandon on Iggy as well. And uh, I like the coach. Uh, I, I get the sense that they've let the team know that there's there's no excuses inside that dressing room, and that's up to them. And, and I think they've taken a hold of that. And, you know, I just think, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I really do. Um, they might not, but uh, the main thing is that they entertain us, and uh, I think this team is quite capable of doing that. I just it, I want to see the effort there, and I haven't watched every game, but uh, I, I like what I see. And results haven't been as good as what we'd like, but uh, I think they'll be coming. Well, and I will say the one thing that you can't fault them on, and maybe at times last year you could, is that they, they actually effort-wise. There really hasn't been an issue there for me. Um, execution, yes. Uh, lack of scoring, yes. Uh, mistakes and and kind of some uh, ill-timed, awful reads for sure. But I've I've never come away or to to this point through the first seven games of the year. I've not come away from a game saying these guys don't care or oh my goodness they waved the white flag or pulled the shoot or anything like that i i will say that the effort level and the compete level has has been at a level you'd want it to be at if you're a fan but it's also i think i think what you're hearing today kaylor is is and what you've heard at times over the last couple of games on our post game and and or if you uh, listen or read to anywhere else anywhere else that that covers this team is that it, it's it's not so much just that uh, the the effort isn't there or it's it, or or this team's awful or it's more the bigger picture it's more that okay they're kind of looking like a mediocre average group right now and they're old and they've got millions upon millions tied up in guys who are 29 30 plus years old i think that's where more of the frustration comes is that and i get it but i also think to your point that the effort's been there i will give them full marks on effort in all seven games in terms of the actual what what the type of energy being expended and and it is still early 
Go ahead. Yeah, I think the NHL, the way it is these days, and the players coming in are so talented now. It's it's really razor thin difference between winning and losing, and you got you got to be able to find that difference. And, and I think I, take, I look at a team like Las Vegas, and they found it. Like that's a team that they won the cup last year, and the way they're starting this year, you can, and just watch them play, and they they understand what they got to do. They they know who they are, what we got to do, and they do it. And and, and I, I I think any team in the league, if you make the playoffs. And you get a break here and there, like of course everybody's gonna be handicapped. But anybody gets in has a crack at winning that cup, and uh, I think the Flames can get in. And, and who knows what happens? Just uh, you know, just let her roll and do the best she can. But anyway, enjoy your show, Pat. And uh, I, I think the Flames are gonna be fine, and uh, we're gonna be entertained. That's the main thing. All right, man. It's good to hear from you. Hey. Yeah. Okay, take care, Pat. Thanks, Keller. You have yourself a great night, and uh, that will wrap us up on the phone lines this evening slash this morning. Uh, 7.53 face-off. Um, you might as well just call it an 8 o'clock face-off. So, uh, and then a loss, and they've lost 5 of 6, and it's been a real frustrating start to the season. Yeah, you go late into the night as we uh, wrap up on this uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning it's 12 49 a.m as we're talking right now if you're listening on podcast it's whatever time you're listening at but as we're doing it live yeah we just hit 12 50 a.m as we start to wrap things up thanks on the phone lines great stuff on the phone lines tonight great stuff on the text line tonight uh outstanding as always as we move to tonight's final summary as we start to wrap things up on our flames talk post game the flames had a great start to this game great first 12 minutes or so blake coleman opened the scoring at 115 of the first period coleman second of the year from michael backland and andrew mangiapani at a buck 15 200th career point for blake coleman had the flames up one nothing after 20 things got uh, off the rails a little bit in the second period and at five on five flames are fine in the second and the third they just could not find a way to beat Igor Shesterkin and what I mean by that is not just that Shesterkin I don't think he stole this game but the flames just could not find a way to hit the net or get a couple of times to raise that puck another two or three inches or whatever the case may be. Just not a lot of finish for the Flames in the final 40 minutes of play. The Rangers opportunistic in the second period, including a couple of power play goals that swung this game. Game tire from Alexi Lafreniere at 738. A redirect on the power play made it 1-1. Third of the year from Lafreniere. Eric Gustafson, Philip Hedel with the assist. Then another power play redirect, and this one even prettier from Chris Kreider at the side of the net. Kreider's fifth of the year from Artemi Panarin and Adam Fox at 14.09. Power play goal made it 2-1. A squeaker gets by Jacob Markstrom at 16.53 to make it 3-1 Rangers. It was Gustafson who scored it, his second from Hedl and Keandre Miller and it gave the Rangers a 3-1 lead after 40 minutes of play. Third period was fine from Calgary. They, they pushed hard. They spent lots of time on the attack. Couldn't score. 3-1 ends up being your final score tonight. Final shots, 24-20 in favor of the Flames. Calgary goes 0-4 on the power play. Rangers 2-5 with the man advantage. Your three stars tonight, number three, Blake Coleman, number two, Igor Shesterkin, and number one, Philip Hedl. With the loss, Calgary falls to 2-4-1. and one. They're back in action Thursday at home to the St. Louis Blues, while New York improves to 4-2-0. They're also back in action Thursday on the road in Edmonton. That is your final summary, and now for 
everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson for our on-site engineers Tim Khalil along with Jeff and Paul for our reporter Logan Gordon and for our outstanding producer Shan Vergie. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll start to wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon or wherever you get your podcast. Go hit subscribe. We'd love to have you along for the Flames Talk ride. Next up, as I mentioned, is Thursday night. Flames at home to the St. Louis Blues. That is a 7 o'clock face-off, which means we're on the air at 6 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have yourself a great rest of your Tuesday or Wednesday or a great rest of your week. Final score from the Scotiabank Saddledome tonight. Flames fall 3-1 to the New York Rangers. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show available wherever you get your podcasts, and this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.